And let's get ready to count together. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year! We did it! Wes, we wish you all all the happiness and health in the world for 2023, which is just two days away now. We'd also like to wish a farewell to Pelé, widely recognized as the greatest of all time, scoring 732 goals in 792 games and picking up three World Cup trophies in the process for Brazil. Another Serie Spotlight episode and another intro about death. Fantastic. <laughs> We're here today in great anticipation of the 4th of January, which brings the return of Serie A. We're joined by our good friend Luke Mintoff, who you all know by now, to go through where we left off and the fixture list for the return of Serie A. It's a pleasure to be back, as always. Welcome back, Thank brother. you, fine gentlemen. Two hours Just late. Two hours I, late. I am very late today. Yeah, it's, I, it's I half, apologize. Half 11 and I have work tomorrow, Mintoff. Oh, you have work tomorrow? Yes. So you really must hate me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really hope the milkshake will make your make your morning very good. I don't mind that you were late. Um, the what biggest problem was that you disappeared. I was oh, watching mm. a play. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, which was... Send me a text, like... I was watching a play. <laughs> 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 I don't right, know who watches enough. plays and, and texts, but... Um, what, Bro, Mint, I want to hear your opinion. Is okay. Pelé the GOAT? You know, it's really hard for me to give opinions about these really old players. Just, uh, I, 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 really, I really struggle to say, you know, who's the best because it, it can be off so many things. Mm. And, uh, and then where do you stop? Like, who, yeah. who's like the cutoff point? Like, mm. like, who are you comparing Pele with? You know? Mm. Um, um, let's say the classic three, you know, Pele, Maradona, Maradona. and Messi. Ronaldo. And Ronaldo. We'll put Ronaldo on the But then there's the other Ronaldo, man. But the other Ronaldo. And then there's Zidane, there's Ronaldinho. You know, because then then you go into a slippery slope. That's why I said to get confused. Mm. It's true. I I don't really like these these debates. But Pelé, many people argue that he played in a... In a farmers in, league, yeah, in a farmers league, essentially, yeah, so that's and that's why he scored so many goals. Exactly, ah. but the Brazilian league back then was top. The Brazil team that won three World Cups was was all. It consisted of players from Brazil. Brazilian they all played in Brazil. Played like in Brazil. Santos, it was the place to play. Right? They were beating European teams back then. Mm. So and and to win three World Cups, is crazy. Yeah. And and he did go ahead and say Messi. Yeah. Okay. It's a very fair shout. I mean, I mean, yes, Lionel, everyone agrees with you. Know, it, it, it sounds it sounds really agreeable because he just won the World Cup, but mm. I think that this, that this reinforces mm. the answer. Mm. He's won so many Champions Leagues, so, so has Ronaldo. Yeah, to be fair. Mm. But I'm biased, though. It's really it's really difficult. I mean, he's the player we watched. You know, I like I like I like seeing him play. Like I, I like seeing yeah. his ungreediness, and I yeah. just like mm. I I just like his stoic attitude. Definitely. Mm. So it, um, it's so difficult for me to. Like I, I adore Messi. I think he's definitely in the debate. As I think Maradona's in the debate. I think Ronaldo's somewhere in that debate, and he can be given the benefit of the doubt on certain occasions. I think Pelé remains the greatest of all time. As in, he won three World Cups. You know what I mean? If, if we're gonna talk about the competition in Brazil, which clearly, as you mentioned, Jake was the best, the, the league to play in at that time. Then plus he played in America as well. Um, three World Cups and he debuted for Brazil at the age of 16 and I think he introduced so much to the game with all the skill moves that he brought to the game with the mentality Mm. that he brought into the game I think for back then he reinvented 
the game and and he's he's everyone's idol everyone gets everything from him i think it favors him that he was there in the 60s 70s and 50s um but i i think yeah i'll give i'll give the goat debate to pele you yes um i i'm torn between between all three of them to be honest i mean Hmm. you know when it comes to raw just ability and passion and and the whole package for me it's maradona you know he was a demon like i was a rabid dog like he was um he also scored some, I was going to say, some of the best goals mm. we've ever compared seen. to the others. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Messi scored loads of goals, so has Ronaldo, but the quality of Maradona's mm-hmm. goals is insane. Yeah, he he scored some naughty goals, yeah. you know. I don't know. I, I can't pick. I'm, I'm just happy we got to enjoy one of those two. We're a bit too too young to have enjoyed Maradona and Pele to the, uh-huh. to the max, of you course. you want to hear a fun fact? Please. It's the only time I would say that my dad's been an osh in his life. And an osh okay. for an osh is a English vagina is, for is a vagina. And a vagina from more of an idiotic sense yeah, and yeah. not a scaredy cat. Yeah, an so. idiot vagina. No, exactly. my, dad, my, dad, my dad's not a scaredy cat, but <laughs> in this occasion, he basically met Pele. You're what? kidding me. He came to Malta once. He, he had like a... Um, like a meet and greet in Malta. Did and they play like home room Spartans? Or something? I don't know. I don't know how whether they played something, but they he either played a friendly or he was just here greeting fans. Okay. And um, my dad went, met him, got an autograph, got it signed, shook his hand, spoke oh. to him, and uh, years later um, he left his mother's house, of course, and. Um, Basically, long story short, he he lost this autograph. From oh Penelope. my god! We lost the ones of the entire Milan yes, team yes, when yes, they yes, went yes. to the Radisson. Oh, Manu, Lord, Kaka, an A4 paper full of their signatures. Yeah. Everyone's broke. Dida, Kaladze. Yeah. Well, everyone's. Well, except for uh, we had Maldini. Costa Curta well. was the count. Yeah, Costa Curta was a count. Kaladze was the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem was Italy had just won the World Cup, so we didn't meet Gattuso. We didn't meet Nesta. Oh, Nesta, uh, we didn't meet man. Pirlo. Maldini. We we didn't we didn't meet Gilardino. We met Maldini because he had reti- he had retired from the national okay, team okay. back then. Um, but we didn't meet the Inzaghi. We didn't meet. Oh. Ma- so so we we missed out on so on yeah, that. He had like half a group of legends. And uh, all well, the, they, they were still pretty impressive. That to see Seedorf back in front of you is crazy. I remember telling Dida, "Wow, you're tall." And saying, <laughs> "No." Yeah, wow, you're short. <laughs> so, shall we get into it? Uh-huh. I think the, the big question is after after the World Cup, as much as we were all in tune and, and watching Serie A, we're a bit lost after we stopped for around a month mm-hmm. and a half to two yeah. months. So, where we left off, guys, is basically Napoli on top by eight points above Milan. Um, and just behind Milan then is Juve and Lazio forming that top four. Inter and Atalanta aren't far off, both on 30 points, one point. Um, no, excuse me, Lazio and Inter are on 30 points and then Atalanta are on 27, tied with Roma on 27, so that's the top seven in that case. Um, the relegation battle is Verona last on five points, Sampdoria won before the last on six points, Cremonese on seven points, and then Spezia on 13, Lecce on 15, um, so on so forth. And so that's of Sassuolo on 16. <laughs> <laughs> So that that's kind of where things stand right now. I mean, Napoli at the top, you know. As as a Milan fan, I would obviously like to see Milan there. But um, Argentina winning the World Cup and Napoli winning the Serie A would be quite a joy for the 
late Maradona, no? Speaking of... I think he would goats, be very happy with that. He would be very happy. He would have been very happy. He would have been. There are certain things that would have made him much happier, I think, considering his lifestyle. But yeah, uh-huh. Probably not having too much coke in his bloodstream, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Exactly. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to go through every single matchup. We're going to talk about the friendlies that they played. We're going to talk about their last three games. Um, just remind you of how they, they left off. We're also going to look at interesting matchups to look out for in these fixtures. Exactly. So the games that we're going to be looking at that are basically all taking place on January 4th from midday all the way up to the evening is Salernitana in 12th against Milan, who are in second. Sassuolo against Sampdoria, that's 15th against 19th. Torino, who sit in ninth against last placed Verona. Spezia against Atalanta. Roma facing Bologna, that is uh, quite a juicy one considering Roma's form. Does form even matter? That's a question we'll get into. Mm. Lecce against Lazio, Fiorentina against Monza, that's a nice one, a lot of weapons in in, in both those sides. Cromonese, Juventus, we could see them both in Serie B next season. (laughs) Udinese, Empoli. And obviously the, the final one, Inter-Napoli, which, which I'm sure oh, will boy. get quite a few watches. If you want to come over to watch that, Mint. He's not going to be here. Oh, you're going to be back oh, in Germany. Germany. I would love to be. I'd love to be here watching with you. Andiamo Berlino Beppe. Andiamo Berlino Beppe. That's going to be, that, that's obviously, needless to say, the, the fixture that we're all excited for. It's Napoli in first against Inter at fifth. Inter have been struggling, but... Since we've seen them pick it up a bit, they're back to fluid football. Obviously, there's the debate of are they going to be as dangerous because of Lukaku and Lautaro's form? Is Lautaro going to suffer from the form that he had in the World Cup or is he going to be on a high from winning Mm. the World Cup? So there's a lot of interesting factors to look into that game as well. I think Lautaro, before we go into it, I think Mm. he'll he'll have understood that he was going to be a catalyst in that team. Mm. There are too many players, man. I don't know. I, I, don't I know. think looking at he the, was in their plans for sure. Yeah, looking at the, the other games. strikers around him, he's the most prolific. Mm. He is, but again, there are big names man around him. There uh, are no are in the team, sure. I mean, he could have easily been taking the role as a support striker, and to be honest, he did that quite well. The problem that, is when he got his chances, he he fumbled them. I, I think the problem. So we'll but get into in it. Inter, though, he hasn't been fumbling them. That's it. He's but in his comfort the thing, zone. thing is, at at Inter, we always say how good he is playing in a two up front. That's when he has Lukaku, when he has Zeko. In this case, he had to be... The sole striker. The so, not the sole striker, because there was Messi to his side, but Messi drops back. Yeah, Messi exactly. carries the ball forward. So he had to be just a finisher. Mm. And, and maybe that's not the, the role he was destined to just play. Destined Let, let's to be, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. It's um, Shadows of Higuain with the national team. Oof. Another Oof. great domestic striker who mm-hmm. flopped with, the, with Argentina. All he needs to do is, is get a bit overweight now and, and he'll be a, an exact replica of him. I think we can get into it though. We can start with Salernitana against Milan. So Salernitana... They've kind of showed us that they're not the same side that kind of sat in last for the majority of last season. And they kind of picked up that momentum that David and Nicola brought them at the end Mm -hmm. of last campaign. They stuck with it, but they have recently struggled a little bit. So in their previous three, 
They've drawn at home to Cremonese 2-2, but some of the best sides have <laughs> drawn to yeah. Cremonese this season. They've lost away against Fiorentina, a struggling Fiorentina, two goals to one. And then they got absolutely obliterated by Monza, three goals to nil. Since then, obviously, they had those two friendlies. They conceded three goals in each of them. They lost 3-0 to Fenerbahce, and they lost 3-1 to Alanya Spor. So they're not exactly going through the best periods right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Milan, on the other hand, obviously the champions are only two points off where they were last season, but obviously Napoli are Napoli. They haven't lost a single game, so they're kind of running away with it right now, and Milan are eight points from that position. Form-wise, Milan have also kind of fallen off of it a little bit. We're seeing a lot of last-minute goals, um, uh, a, a lot of that you know, 70th minute and it's still draw, 80th minute and it's still draw, that kind of cycle that Milan fans go through consistently. There was that 2-1 victory against Spezia, thanks to Oli G. There was then the very disappointing 0-0 draw to Cremonese. And then that 2-1 victory against Fiorentina, which also had a, had a last-minute goal. Um, interesting, interesting matchup. Obviously, we don't know how things are going to go because of the, the World Cup mm -hmm. and the long break and this formula matter. Let's start off with that. Do you guys think that form matters at all? So I think that it's been so long that it probably doesn't. I feel like teams have had plenty of time to reset now, both physically and mentally. Mm. Um, and some of these teams, like Salernitano, who did not have many players featuring at the World Cup, will have had more time to get their shit together, basically. Mm. I think this is a blank slate and everyone's starting fresh, personally. Interesting. I totally agree with that. And I feel like, basically... Um, it's the start of the season, but the players aren't in pre-season mode. Yes. Mm. Like they're all geared up, but you've just basically switched off the car and you've given it a break. Uh -huh. um, but the car is like, as soon as you switch it back on, the car doesn't need time to like gear up again. Yeah, it, it's yeah, ready yeah. to go from exactly. the get-go. Um, so partially because people have still been training, all the work that World mm -hmm. Cup has been going on, but mm -hmm. also because there have been friendlies going on um, as well. Mm. And I think that this will help the smaller clubs much more than anything else. Mm. Um, because of course they have less players going to the World Cup, and mm. you know they can. The whole team is there from the from the get go, and they can you know build this like um, yeah, build, build build up build up the momentum and the morale again from 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 scratch. Of course, you know players coming and going from bigger teams like Napoli, Inter, whatever, and so on. Um, mm. You know you're gonna have half a team, and then other players are coming back, and it takes time to like regel again. So uh -huh. this um, might be a good time to bet on upsets. I would say I would I would definitely agree with that because there there might be a whole lot of underestimation going on. Mm -hmm. There there mm -hmm. might be a whole load of um, you know tactics might not be like uh -huh. completely spot on again because you know mm -hmm. you've had a bit of time away, and you know um, other teams in this in this in this period might have been trying new things or or, or exper mm -hmm. experimenting with their team. Mm -hmm. Like Empoli would have been fucking training their of asses off this they entire had, time. They, they were no a full one team. At the, yeah. No one at the World Cup. They've recently been on, on decent form. They would have been training this entire time at, at, at yeah. the same with the likes so. of Hellas Verona. Hellas Ver but <laughs> Hellas Verona only played one friendly and they lost. It was against Bologna. Really interesting how they didn't like fill up their time yeah. a little bit a little bit better. But that's that's Verona for you. I so guess what are your smartest. predictions for Salernitana Milan? Personally. Hmm. I was leaning towards a draw from the get-go because, um, you know, Salernitana, again, as we discussed, have been together. They've been united. They are a very organized team that's very capable of causing an upset. But after some 
thought um, I, I do think that Milan will come up motivated and I do think that Milan want to push to uh, close the gap with Napoli as much as possible. Um, and I think Milan are aware right now that um, Napoli might actually drop some points against Inter and now's the time to actually capitalize, to get yeah. going, you know, to get yeah. going on the front foot. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would mirror that pretty much. I think that Milan are going to come in. So obviously Salernitana are going to come in and they're gonna still going to be a pain in the ass to play against. They're still going to play with high intensity. They're going to drop to the low block when Milan are attacking. They're going to be a fucking nightmare for Milan to face. And I think this match could get a little bit heated. We could mm. see a bit of yellow cards here and there, the likes of Benasser and Tonali getting booked and getting yeah. frustrated, especially with those midfield duels, man. Um, being outnumbered by Salernitana's numbers in midfield with Radovanovic, Vilena, Koulibaly. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Milan are obviously more than capable of getting it done. I think they see an opportunity. I think players like Leao are going to come back super motivated after the tournament, getting two goals in the World Cup. I think Giroud had such a good feat at the World Cup, he must have heaps of confidence around mm-hmm. him, so on and so forth. I think Milan get it done around two goals to one. I would say it won't be easy, but I think they will. I'm going to go, and even though we just said that smaller teams can can have upset at the moment, I'm going to say that Milan are away with this one. They're going to win this one? Um, purely because I think that Milan's team, in the form it's in, and in, with the players coming back who have all had good World Cups, I feel it'll be, it'll be too much for Salernitana, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, uh, I still high. think Salernitana will have a good season, actually. Um, but I think this is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a route, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm seeing like a three-one or four-one from myself. Okay. Um, purely because I think that most of Milan's team is fit, barring two, albeit important players. But um, well, one mm-hmm. is important. One is was planned to be important. Origi. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> or, or as you call him, Shitigi. Shiti. <laughs> I do call him Shitigi, and so far. You've been fucking right. It's like have, Liverpool knew. It's like Liverpool knew been, something. I, 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 I just fuck Liverpool, in my opinion. They're, they're, <laughs> they're just shady. And I think that's what they, that's why they let go of him without any issues he whatsoever. He passed his medicals and everything. Mm. I don't know. He's oh, been injured. I'm, I'm sure they made sure they gave him some fucking good old meds before he, yeah. he moved along. Um, maybe, is, yeah. is Giroud even going to play yeah, Giroud this match or is he still hungover? Uh, <laughs> apparently Rebic or Decetelari are, are rumoured to start in the striker oh, position. Uh, Rebic at the moment has the... very the um, weird players to start. Weird in the yeah. sense that they've both um, been struggling. I mean, Rebic has been struggling with fitness. Because mm-hmm. he's been injured. Yes. But when he's on, he's he's he's, he's on. on. Yes. He's yeah, I've I've never seen gen- genuinely. I love I love Rebic. I love his villain arc and everything. The only thing I dislike is yeah, he he must be the worst one of the worst passers when he's <laughs> off. It, it, yeah. The fact that he manages to and it's touch, man, give the off. ball away with every pass that he gives yeah. when he's off is super frustrating. Yeah. One thing I like is that uh, against such a static defense against the likes of Fazio, Danilo Lich, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to exclude Lovato from this because he's quite mobile. Yeah. Rebic yeah. is great on the turn. Mm-hmm. He's great with his back towards goal. He turns, pivots, and he gets the shot away bottom corner. So I think that's that's somewhere where he'll really do well. I don't like the idea of having Brahim Diaz in attacking midfield and then Decay Telare up front. I think that's fucking weird. Why? Very weird. So I don't think Decay Telare is a punta. I don't think he's mm-hmm. a forward that sits in but the he box. he played a lot with Club Bruges as a, as a false nine. 
False nine, yes. Yeah, but this is a, a punta striker. He's a player with a lot of confidence in that position, man. And that's not a guy you, you want to put up there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's off form and he's not confident at all. And no, no, I think that the media is getting to him. Uh, yes, mm. man. And At first, it seemed like he was ignoring it, but now it's, he's it's 20, clearly got to him. Mm-hmm. He's twenty years fucking old. I mean, I I had reservations about people saying he's going to be the next best thing. Mm. I mean, I don't I don't like you know tooting my own horn because maybe next year he can be fucking insane. And I don't mm. want to say he should and be <laughs> and be super stupid. Um, but he's not he's not like lived up to the expectations. No, he's certainly. And I don't think not. you should put a player like that. As a number mm. nine, not because he doesn't have the skill set, but you run the risk of just making a way worse situation. Than mm. Yes, imagine agreed. he doesn't have a good game. It could be, and then you try it again, and you know this is just it is it is crippling him further. But imagine further you, you toss him in and he fucking scores, bro. It could yeah, turn his whole are, fucking thing. Yes, around, you know? it, it it works both ways. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I a, mean, Decatelaire wasn't brought in as a quick fix. He was brought in as a thirty-five a million euro man who um, to, is to most. Up. It's it's almost guaranteed that he's gonna be an appreciating asset because he has he could he could flop for three years and do well in three years time and you can get something out of him. You oh, know that's what I mean? true. That's he's true. an investment. Um, that type of deal, the kind of deal that Gazidis kind of brought uh, in. You know, you know, when when he joined Milan's philosophy, signing philosophy mm-hmm. changed. And and Milan were, you know, Milan don't really spend big, but they spent big on him. Mm-hmm. And so far, we've seen very good things from from the way Milan. Signed mm. players like you could say what you want about Shitigi, but the fact of the matter is he was brought in on a free. You know what I mean? Okay, his wages are aren't they're they're quite handsome. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll see better of him. But aha, maybe starting him out of position when he's out of form is a little bit dodgy. Um, but we're seeing Calabria back in the team after he was Very out nice. for so long. Um, do you think he'll he'll? Fit right back in, he'll slot right back in. I think he's the type of player who you know yes. plug him in, he'll play, he'll play well. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Um, matchups, guys, for you, for me personally, I have a strange one, perhaps. Um, mine is mine is more strange, so don't worry. Okay, that's okay. Great. I've got Salamakers against Brother Richard Fazio. I think Salamakers hmm. has looked quite decent. Um, pre-injury scored, scored he scored two against Salernitana last season he I scored believe. two exactly against Salernitana last season he um, he played well in the friendlies even scored against Liverpool um, he dribbled Robertson uh, he scored wow. okay. yeah, it was quite quite good um, and I think Brotherich is pretty good so I look forward to seeing how Salamakers fares up with, against him but Fazio as you mentioned before is quite a static defender who's quite slow on the turn he's so he's very experienced with his positioning but I feel like Salamakers can spin him. Salamakers mm-hmm. has a one move that he does, and I feel like it might destroy him. Mm-hmm. Possibly. So we'll I, I love, I love it when Salamakers is confident. But you yeah. could tell in his in his play and how he's playing that he's feeling fucking confident. You know, because he hits you with the step over. Yeah, he always does starts shouting shit. at him. Exactly. <laughs> he's off form when he, when his crosses are way too early and they have no whip to them. <laughs> like it's very easy to tell. Um, for me, I said. Tomori against Dia. I think Dia has Ooh, been that's on form. Interesting. That's a good one. I like that one. I think Salernitana will attack in this game. It's not going to be mm. complete domination by Milan. Oh, yeah. No, no. We absolutely. always see them attack. Absolutely. Dia had a decent World Cup. Um, he's had a very good season so far. I think he'll be confident. Yes. Tomori, we know how good he is. We know how capable he is. We also saw that he's human this season. So it's going to be a good little matchup mm. between them, I think. 
and they'll whip balls in. That's how they play. Crosses mm. are going to come in, and we know that Tomori and Kalulu can get quite flustered in the air. Yeah, times. yeah. You know what I mean? What's yours, bro? Ochoa versus Tatarasan. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, you went for the keeper. I went for it the keeper. It might be Mirante starting, huh, by the way. Apparently, Mirante had a... Had a I would be ir- fucked on Fanta ir- ir- Irrespective of who's yeah. starting him for Mira, it is the goalkeepers from both sides. And um, although if Mirante does play, the, the bit I've written about Tatarasan will be kind of well, disregarded. Mm-hmm. But let's let's say that Tatarasan plays. Um, they're both keepers who have big boots to fill. Um, yes. Of course, I'm not gonna. Everyone knows the praise of Magic Mike, so I'm not gonna mm-hmm. go into that. He's, he's definitely top two keepers in in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the most consistent for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know whether he's the best, but most consistent and most consistently injured though. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. He, he he's a great keeper and he's saved Milan on, on countless of countless of occasions. And I think that um, of course Tatarzano has improved. His start to Milan was horrendous. Mm-hmm. But gradually he 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 managed this kind of improve to a point where he's playable. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's still shaking. He's, he's, he's a good shot stopper. I think anything other than a shot stopper, he really struggles with the ball at his feet, with the ball in the air over there. He's where the worst we... at claiming the ball. Exactly. Commanding the air. Because yeah, he's man. blind. Yeah. Because he's actually <laughs> yeah. blind, though. He, he had an operation in his eyes. His eyes are had, terrible. He has the same thing I have. He's got an astigmatism. He has an astigmatism, man. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't be a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. Because he's got surgery now at the tender age of what? 38. Yeah. <laughs> very, very tender. Never. Um, but he so plays his part he does he does he does and he has improved especially this season there have been games where when he played he's actually done something yes, and, yes, and, yes. and saved some games as well uh-huh. um, so was Sepe this mm, in my Sepe opinion in my opinion now now, now now he's not one of the best keepers in Italy but no. this season he, he is top really five good. consistent keepers. He's really good. Sepe? This season. Yeah, this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. So now, this, this, well, I mean, I, I mean, no disrespect towards you know Mere or Marnian or Chesney or Handanovic or, or any of them. They're all mm. great keepers. But this season in particular, the start Sepe has been phenomenal. He has been. The saves he's done, the penalty saves he's done. He's mm. kept Saratana in it. He's won them games. Mm-hmm. He's done some crazy saves. He has. He has some of the most saves this season. Yes, he does. Obviously, uh, Salernitana would concede way more shots than Chesney true, and, and Juve, for example. But but ah, it's still still very impressive. Super. I so, think the best the best keeper so far this season, just a bit of a hot take, has been Vicario thus far. He's been uh, fucking someone else, but he's been very good. Astronomical. Well. He's, he's been top keeper this year. Milinkovic Savic. Yeah, oh, not, you know, not, not a bad, bad shout at all. One mistake all. against me. He's been, well, you know, that's you, the only you're, one. you're a keeper, man. Exactly. You're going to make mm-hmm. mistakes. But apart from that, he's done some crazy stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, He's so, so much yeah, fun to watch as well. He is, he is. He's a bit of a beast. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. A bit fucking, fucking guy, big, tall beast screaming is. at you in the saves. <laughs> always screaming. Um, so basically, to round off my point about these two keepers, they've, they've, they've shown, well, we have no idea what Ochoa, but we know his experience. We know he's a good keeper. He's played all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So they have the experience with them. And I think that for both of these teams, they're going to play an integral part of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there'll be a catalyst whether they win or lose. Good point. The keepers are going to be very involved in this, mm-hmm. I feel. Now, watch, watch the game have yes. a, a total of four shots on target. Definitely not. Definitely <laughs> but but not. this, no, I, this I does seem like quite so. a shootout. Mm-hmm. Yes. Quite a shootout. Shall we move nice. on to the next? We can move on to the next game. So it's your Sassuolo, man. It's Sassuolo Ooh. against Sampdoria, who have really, really, really been struggling. So... Sassuolo, I feel like the, the issue is obvious in the sense that they've been feeling the weight of Raspadori and Scamacca's departures. Berardi's been out for such a long time. Fratesi has been one of Sassuolo's best players and it seems like he's, he's on best. his way. Exactly. He's been the best. It seems like he's on his way out to Rome and now apparently Milan, Milan are trying right, to hijack it in, to hijack in January. And they started off Sassuolo with this great defensive record, but their most recent fixtures at Rina lost to Bologna and we've since seen that record kind of slide a little bit they're, they're on four wins four draws and seven losses their previous three is a 1-0 defeat against Empoli a 1-1 draw to Roma and then a 3-0 loss against Bologna yes they've been very active um, in pre-season they've beaten Marseille 3-2 and Marseille just won 5-1 yeah. today against Toulouse like to win yes. <laughs> They lost 2-1 at home to PSV. They lost to Empoli, two goals to one. And they're playing Inter tonight, I believe. They played. They played, they finished. Did they play? Yeah, they If you can um, pull out that result whilst I go through Sampdoria, I'd appreciate it. I will. Samp obviously are... They're the worst, man, Sampdoria. Inter 1-1-0. Inter 1-1-0, okay, so that's a... And... uh, Lot of shots from both teams. Ten to one for Sassuolo, fifteen to five for Inter. Wow. Okay. So okay. it was an active game. Yeah, and then losing one nil to Inter. It's okay. It's okay. Um, Sampdoria. To go back to my point, I think they're the fucking worst. Personally, I think I think they're the most beatable team in the league by a landslide. They're very slow. They have no creativity. They have a lack of identity since they've replaced Daversa with Stankovic. Mm. And it seems like they're in this rut and they've been on the decline for the past few years. No decent recruitment in place. But yeah, that's where they are. They're on one win, three draws and 11 losses. 15 matches have been played and they lost 11 times, man. Holy shit. Mm. So their previous three is a 2-0 home loss to Fiorentina, 2-0 away loss against Torino and a 2-0 home loss against Lecce. So I mean, come on. They like losing to zero. Huh? They do. Yeah. And then in the friendlies, they beat TS Galaxy um, five goals to one away. They held Adena Demirspor 2-2 away from home. They held Dynamo Dresden away from home, 2-2. And then they beat Kaiser Kizilorda. <laughs> Three goes to nil at home. Like, play someone from Syria. Just like, I think there was a, a Turkish tour going on. <laughs> must like Salernitana, Sampdoria, they all went to Turkey, you know. There so must have been. Let's keep an eye out. Maybe we see, you know, um, a few new hairlines in those <laughs> <things>. <laughs> <laughs> there's the, there are definitely some players that need it. I think Gabbiadini, maybe. Could use a bit, yeah. Some male pattern going on there. But aha, uh-huh, this game. I, I mean, I was going to say this game is going to be interesting. Do you think it's going to be interesting or is it as one sided as I myself am making it out? So I see Sassuolo right now as a team who have recovered many players. They did very well in their friendlies. They. They seem to have pretty much a full team for the first time this season. And mm-hmm. I think it's all uphill from here. And mm-hmm. 
That's the only trajectory I see for them, to be honest. With Berardi back in the team, a leader of his caliber. Lauriente on the other side, who's interesting as fuck. Like nah. Pinamonti up front with a lot to prove. Yeah, Fratesi in midfield. Granted, he might be a bit distracted by the rumors. But he's still a quality player. Thor's vet looks good. You know, I mean, I think they're they're back. I do think some Sampdoria scored two goals in the friendlies, by the way. Yes. Okay. Well, that's that's interesting. I do think Sampdoria will improve slightly, but I think this game will go to Sassuolo. I fully agree with you. Um, what's the score going to be? I'm I'm not really sure, but I, I do see Sassuolo winning this. Um, as you say, it's like the first time this team is fully fit mm-hmm. for well for the first time, and mm-hmm. um, there are some ways that Sassuolo lose this game, and and I just want to see them play. Um, the attacking football that they're mm-hmm. known for and, and they need to go get that from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So, but as you say, Berardi's back, Pinamonti and Laurenta, I think is a deadly attack to play right. against any team in Serie A, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if, they're, if, they, if they want to play that game, mm-hmm. like they can, they can cause trouble to anyone. Uh-huh. I, I would go so far as to say that, okay, Raspadori and Skamaka were lost. I feel like the biggest hole that Sassuolo had was Mimmo, personally. Skamaka and Raspadori, fantastic players, and they took Sassuolo to a different level. But Mimmo, he can turn a game around by himself. He has. I compare him to how Insigne was at Napoli when Napoli were in the Titans that they were Mm -hmm. towards the end of his tenure. He orchestrates the game from out wide. He drifts into the middle. He creates space, uh, pockets of space for, for his teammates. He's fantastic, man. You know what? You know what I want to see? I want to finally see Mimmo and Laurenta play together because mm-hmm. Laurenta, I think for the first time since I've enjoyed watching Sassuolo, they have a left winger who's on this, who's on the same caliber, mm. who's on a similar caliber. Mm. To Mimmo. Yeah, they mm. both need to because, be double marked. Because mm. it causes so many more so yeah. many more question marks for teams now. Because Laurent, he can finish, he can dribble, mm. he can run down the line, he can give a good um, strong pass into the middle for mm. for for, a, for an attacker to to, mm-hmm. to to swoop in and score it. And I feel like um I feel like you know they could be passing passing across from each other. So so Pinamonti between them. Yes, and I I think now that Pinamonti has two players like that on mm. each side, he has no excuse. He has no excuse yeah. anymore. So if he starts he to, to be start bitching again, mm. then he you know Alvarez has to start playing, and I, I mean then I'm gonna have to fucking send Dionisia yeah. uh-huh. a message and saying what the fuck is happening. He's breathing down <laughs> his neck, Alvarez. And then to to me, we always. Talk about the front three of Sassuolo. They've consistently had a very good front three, but to me that midfield, I love the balance in, in Sassuolo's midfield, man. I think they have a good they have Fratesi a, yes. and Thorsved bring so much to them going forward. I, I always forget the name it, it, of the the regista. Ma- Maxim Lopez. Maxim Lopez. Maxim Lopez. He's, injured. He's, injured. He's, injured. He's injured. I keep it's, thinking it's, Maxi it's Lopez. I'm like, that's not him. Month or two. What? What? It's a month or two long. Oh, month wow. or two long. Oh wow. Yeah, He's funny. good, man. So obviously has good. to step it up. Huh? He's fit. He's, yeah. he's finally after a whole year of heart problems. He's finally fit again. Mm, so, so okay. we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I'm worried about that. To be honest, I'm worried about the defense, bro. Looking at it, I mean, it's, it's pretty it's usual. The usual it's defense. The, it's the like, usual. There's Erlich who's lit, but that's it. Consili is back, wanking in the showers. A, he, played, he played a big part in Croatia's team. He did, um, and I, I think going forward, the years to come, he should stay there. I think he will be good, but. Uh, you know, Sassuolo and, mm. and, and, and defense is a whole, mm-hmm. whole you could you could do a podcast on that. But I I don't think they'll have 
anything to worry about from the opponents. I mean, it seems like from the predicted lineups that Gabi Adini is going to be starting up front yep. with Sabiri behind him. Now, obviously, Sabiri would be on quite a high uh, after yes. Morocco's tenure. Um, a player we've been touting for a while, by the way. You, so you guys have been mentioning definitely. Quality, we, we've called out some good ones. We we mm. we have created some talent. Amrabat as well. Oh, Amrabat, it, it was us. Yeah. Berezinski apparently is off to Napoli. Is off to Napoli. That's a weird. As a vice vice for Di Lorenzo, I'd fucking take it, man. It's a good move by Napoli. Yeah. I think it, it's similar to Inter's move for Bellanova. Yeah. You know what I mean? As an advice. Uh, advice of uh, that. They get an experience. Where Inter yeah, get yeah. a very uh-huh. inexperienced player. I, I compare it kind of like to the Strinic. What was his name? Strinic, the guy Milan had got, the, the full back, the left back back in the day. Yeah, he's got him as a backup and he's never I'm played. Sure, I don't think that's, that's probably case in point because yeah. I don't even remember his um, name. Berzinski is weird. He's had a very like av- average career, I would say, mm. in domestic leagues. Like he's he's always playing with like mid-table teams that type. With with the national team, he he managed to um, assert himself for a long spell of time, and I think he would be a good figure to have in that Napoli um, uh-huh. dressing room simply because of his experience and his status in the national mm-hmm. team and his domestic experience. I think well. Berzinski's best moment was assisting one of the craziest goals I've seen of Quagliarella. Yeah. Berzinski back heel. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that Quagliarella when he scored you against goal, Napoli right? for Sampdoria, the back heel scored a hat trick. Crazy. We watched that goal on Magic Mushrooms, bro. We, 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 we sat down on Magic Mushrooms and we just watched Qualiarella goals, bro. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> they went for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> so colors and smiles. It was, it was fucking unreal. Like <laughs> I told my barber that so he couldn't fucking stop laughing. Mm. Was, yeah. Barbers love crazy stories. Mm. Anyway, go on. Um, who is the, the, matchup? the matchup for you? I have to change mine because I have Lauriente Berezinski. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so. Berezinski probably won't be there. I've got Berardi against Augello. Berardi's back. Um, I'm going to have to agree with that now. Obviously. Yeah, he's going to be the guy trying to pull the strings for Sassuolo while Augello is a very, very good player um, at Sampdoria and he'll try. He's going to be tasked with the responsibility mm-hmm. of keeping um, Berardi quiet. So uh-huh. we'll see if he manages. Uh-huh. Mint? I have um, Penamonti and Mr. Gabbiadini. Ooh. Oof. And okay. uh, I, this is a particularly interesting one because these are two really misfiring strikers, but for mm. different reasons. Gabbiadini had a really bad injury. It basically ruined like the, 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 the remainder of last season. And then yes. he finally came back. Um, he came back at the beginning of... of, uh, of, of of October, what was it, August? I think I'm August. Not sure. And then, sure, then he got yeah. injured again. Yeah. And now he's back again. Um, and Gabbiadini's always been that inconsistent, consistent uh-huh. striker. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's hot, he's hot, man. Mm-hmm. Like last season, he was scoring goal after goal after goal yeah. for Sampdoria. His name is Gabbiadini. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Southampton, was it? Southampton. Yeah. When he went to Europe to buy a Lamborghini, instead he bought a striker. His name is Gabbiadini. <laughs> Actually, a class song. That's a good one. That is a, um, a fan, who, fabulous song. Was mm-hmm. it? Was it? This current Sampdoria manager, um, Stankovic, who tried to play Gabbiadini out wide. I, I think it was Daversa. I think it was Daversa. I'm not sure. No, I think it's Stankovic, bro. Yes. I think it was Stankovic. He played fucking Gabbiadini out wide, bro, on the wing. How can you? That's weird. How can you? Really weird. Um, 
That is very strange, but <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't even know to say that. Why um, would you put a man with like, whose main, his main strength is his size and his finishing and you put him on the wing. Like Manzukic his, his, did this. Yeah, <laughs> Manzukic did this as a, Left winger, that's a full a full back, you know. There's a mm. full back and a three five two, fucked. you know. This was fun. I couldn't you remember when we were like because we hadn't watched the game and we had to prep for it, so watching the extended highlights, so like yeah, apparently Gabbiadini played. Where the fuck? And then <laughs> we we looked up the the, the lineup. This has I to be no, it has, it has to be a mistake. And we're going on on who scored on one football, on flash score, on, on Forza, everything we checked, and every single one. Gabbiadini, right wing back. We're like, what the fuck is going on over here? <laughs> he has no legs. Like, he has no, it's like, it's as absurd as playing Quagliarella in that position. <laughs> it's as absurd it's as that. It's What's the difference? It's true. I don't care. It's fucked. <laughs> uh, it is fucked. And to finalize on Gabbiadini, I think this is like probably one of the best games for him to come back um, with a with a with a statement and score mm. because Sassuolo's defense is not um, to standard to standard mm. or uh, anything to write home about. So um, mm. it's a good it's a good it's a good game for him. So he's I'm sure he's going to come out with the intent to you know get a goal or two. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Peramonti. Star signing for Sassuolo hasn't had a good season. No, that is arguably obvious by now. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have spoken about it a number of times. I have sent in clips why I think that, so we're not gonna know go on a, mm-hmm. a whole tangent H- about humble that. pie. No, humble he pie. He does. I, I, I really used. hope for Christmas someone got him some humble pie or some <laughs> humble, humble mince pie. pie. I was about to say humble oh, mince pie. Kiss, oh, kiss. Okay, let me kiss Jake. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think though I think though He scored in his, He scored twice as well In the friendlies mm. um, I think that this could be The resurgence he needs Against a team Which has suffered Which isn't very good This season Like Matt um, Very mm. well explained um, So if he doesn't score here Or he doesn't have a good game here It really bodes To What's going to happen to him mm. um, Coming this season and mm. I, I, So I think he's going to really be He's going to be instrumental. I think he's going. To, mm. I think we're going to see a different Pinamonti this game. Yeah. Um, I think like some some honorable mentions on that note is seeing Pinamonti up against Colli, for example. That that's going to be a really yeah. nice one because Colli is no fucking. No, Colli's a good. Colli's a good defender. Like, he's a good defender. Yes, he's a very good defender. Seeing Pinamonti being probably somewhat man-marked by Colli is going to be very interesting. And I'm also really interested in seeing how. Obiang adapts his game to keep up with Sabiri because he's probably going to need to stay like between the midfield and the defense that'll be his task and he'll probably be tasked with keeping Sabiri quiet so that's going to be quite an interesting duel if you were the Sampdoria manager and you're looking at Villar I'd resign no (laughs) (laughs) in a heartbeat (laughs) So, so let's say you were the Sampdoria manager, right? And, and um, you haven't resigned. And you mm-hmm. haven't resigned. And yeah, you've yet. got Villar in your team and he's in that, you know, he's in that um. hole between the midfield and the defence. And you've got all these players and Maxime Lopez is out because like typically you'd put a player like Vill- Villar, you might tell him like, press Maxime. Mm-hmm. Or you might tell that the Rincon, like press Maxime. One of them uh, is pressing probably. Maxime for sure. But Maxime's out, right? So who are you going to put Villar on? Who's Villar's main responsibility over here? Fratesi, I, I guess. Fratesi. 
It's interesting. It's it, because there's no orchestrator of the game over here. Normally, the the orchestrator would be Maxime in the sense maybe, that he's like maybe Thorsvet, I suppose. Yeah. Because Thorsvet mm. does like getting the ball from he he's a little bit similar, a little bit similar to Maxime in the sense that mm. he likes to get the ball and then like. Um, Push it forward, mm-hmm. either to drive, yeah. either, dri- either driving himself or passing the ball, uh, which is sim- similarly what that what Maxime does. Um, mm. So I can maybe see Villar trying to mark him, mm-hmm. but Torres is not bad one one versus one. True. I, I see Rincon double marking Berardi with Augello. I see, I, I I see that happening for sure. I think on the topic of Villar, I think he's still going directly for Obiang. Because yeah. Obiang is, is is probably the guy that that's gonna like I said sit between the midfield and the defense and look to really start the game off over there and Villar is gonna need to attack that person the the creator of this now probably in half time he'll get a different instruction because they'll realize maybe Obiang isn't orchestrating the game maybe isn't controlling the tempo maybe Torsvet is sitting deeper Fratesi sitting deeper I think his main task would be to keep the shape. And to stay organized and not to allow Sampdoria to get walked over like mm-hmm. that. So special attention to the orchestrator of the game. But main focus would be to keep the midfield together, keep the defense together. Because that's where they've been struggling quite a lot as well, I think. Mayhaps. Torino-Verona? Torino-Verona's a nice one. I keep, whenever I see the term Verona, I'm like, how exciting. I love Verona. But then mm-hmm. I remember they're a shadow of what they've been in previous oh, years. Yeah. I'll get into that in just a second. So Torino are in ninth. They've won six games. They drew three and they lost six. A very bang on average season, no? They they literally won as many as they lost and then they drew three games. Um, their previous three fixtures have ended in a 2-1 defeat to Bologna. But at the moment, everyone seems to be losing to Bologna except for Inter. Um, they beat Samp 2-0, obviously. And then they held Roma away from home 1-1. And keep in mind that the game before these three was the victory against Milan. To one, so that's also a massive one. Torino are incredibly impressive in the sense that they've stayed probably where they were last year, if not maybe a little bit better, and they're minus Bremer and minus Belotti, yeah. and they're still there. However, the, you can tell that they're lacking a number nine. But to be fair, they were lacking a number nine last year as well because Belotti was out injured for the yeah, majority. Yeah, he was injured quite a few, quite a few, quite a bit of it. They also ah. they. Sorry? No, 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 no. Um, I mean, all I wanted to say was, yes, they lost Bremer and they lost Bellotti, but they did... They got Mirancho. Yeah, I was just, they made adequate Vlasic, replacements. Yes, Vlasic. Vlasic has been... Radonis has been so good. I think Radonis has been the least good of them all three. Vlasic uh, has been the best, yeah. man. Mirancho was out injured. Vlasic has been insane. Mm. Um, Mirancho has been unlucky again with injuries, but he's been good. When he's mm. been but he played He played again lately. And he mm. had, he's so uh, good, Mirancho. He hasn't been bad at all. He's, he's really so clever. Good. Really he's so clever. Um, These Atalanta he, fucking players. If you go to Atalanta, you're going to come back with when a big he used brain, to, bro. When he used to come, come on smart, man. last season, I used to prefer... You, you know how much I love Pessina... And how much I love um, uh, Madonna. Uh, how much I love. I don't even know his name. Uh, Malinowski. Yeah. How much I love Minor, those guys. These guys are all fucking... But when, when he used to come on, this guy, his dribbling, he used to turn people inside out. His lateral runs outside the box. He used to drive everyone crazy. I love his style of play, man. Mm-hmm. I adore it. And he's been doing well. But uh, like you said, he's been injured quite a lot. Uh-huh. Torino beat Espanyol away from home. <laughs> Um, they held Almeria away from home. Um, they drew to Cremonese, nil-nil Classic. at home. 
Um, and they either played Monza today or they're going to play Monza. I don't know if yeah, someone can play them on that. Um, Verona, on the other hand, they only played one friendly and they lost at home against Bologna. Their previous three in Serie A, there's no shock over here that, you know, they're, they're all defeats. Um, um, they lost away to Monza 2-0. They lost at home against Juve 1-0. And they lost at home to Spezia 2 goals to 1. Like, that's a game they should be fucking fighting till the final whistle for. 3-1-4-1. Oh. <laughs> okay. Nice. Against Monza. Nice. That's a great result, man. Um, I'm just going to check who scored, but you can go on. Um... Veron are obviously like we spoke about Sassuolo in the sense that they haven't recovered mm-hmm. from the players that they mm-hmm. dropped. But I mean, the list goes on and on, gents. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Amrabat, Zakani, Simeone, Caprari. Who else, man? There were oh, multiple DiMarco. more. Di Marco oh, was another uh, Rah- one. Uh, Rahmani, you said Rahmani. Rah- no, I didn't say Rahmani. Rahmani is another one. They also had Lovato, yeah. even though he doesn't make the list of, of the ones that upgraded in that yeah, sense because yeah. he's at Salernitana. But really, really struggling. I think you mentioned on the last podcast Vlasic that double. Vlasic double. And then Voivoda. Look at us. We were right again. Say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <So> a spotlight slip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I forgot about that. Yeah, we have to put a bet. I'm not going to discuss with Mental. I'm going to throw up. Um, yeah, so you, you made a point. Yes. And, and, before we get into our opinions, um, we're going to hand over the mic, metaphorically, to a listener of ours, Matthias, who gave us his take on Verona. Um, the point is basically, Jake said that he anticipates that in the second half of the season, Verona are going to improve. So we'll get Matthias's opinion on that, and then we'll jump in, react to what he said, and, and basically outline everything. Okay, happy holidays, guys. This is Matthias here, sending some season greetings from Sweden. I'm really pumped for the return of Serie A next week and uh, hoping to see some good football again after this World Cup, which I didn't watch too much, but at least saw the final games. Uh, and one of the things which I'm intrigued uh, looking into is uh, following a thought you had on your last podcast regarding uh, Hellas Verona. And one of you said that you were expecting them to pick up quite soon uh, after the return of the of uh, Serie A. And I've been uh, thinking a little bit about this because it's quite interesting that they are performing so badly, especially point-wise. And I was sort of wondering if there was any specific factors related to this. Uh, they started last season pretty bad as well, but then they picked up quite quickly after a coaching change. And they have now done sort of the similar thing once again. Um, and one thing which uh, I find to be sort of the key of the problems of this team is the absence of Ivan Ilic. And this is not a particularly hot or controversial take since that is clearly their best players and uh, one of their most uh, valuable assets in general. But it's notable to say that they have actually failed to uh, gather any points since Ilic was injured in... uh, mid-September, actually. So they are really uh, missing him, to say the least. And I think the absence of Illic sort of highlights the two narratives surrounding Hellas Verona. And the one is uh, the obvious one, which I know you and uh, I've talked to you. You've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast, and I've talked a little bit to you about it as well. And it's the fact that they're selling all their good players, that they are basically just... uh, 
not just selling, but selling players for a, a lot less value uh, than they should be able to get for them. And that is, of course, uh, obviously a problem. But I think this relates to the to the bigger issue with Hellas Verona, and it's the fact that they are really lacking. Uh, they're re- really feeling the 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 legacy of uh, their old coach Ivan Juric, because for the second season in a row, I feel that they have started the season trying to stabilize and become more standardized as a Serie A. Uh, a Serie A squad uh, playing a little bit less of the sort of uh, three-four-three high-pressure uh, man-marking system, trying to become more of a three-five-two uh, grinding it out kind of team, and both times it has failed, and they have got, gone back to to uh, more of a huge type system. Last year with uh, the recruitment of Ivan Ivan Tudor, who basically just told the players to to keep on playing as they had been during uh, Juric and this team this time they have gone back to um, to Bocchetti who similar to Juric is uh, a player who grew up and uh, became uh, really marked and minted by the coaching of Gasperini and Bocchetti actually played for Juric uh, I think he no he played with he both played for Juric when Juric was a coach at Hellas Verona but he also played with Juric one of the Juric's last seasons when he was one of the, one of the sort of key midfielders in in uh, Gasperini's Genoa side in the uh, late notice <clears throat> And one of the most important thing when you're trying to play this three-four-three system, which Girona is apparently always sort of returning to, is that you need need quality in the midfield, and you don't need just any kind of quality, but you need this kind of intensity and ferociousness, and also the quality to 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 perform and do good things in uh, high tempo football. And doing this is no easy task, and we have seen that the teams which are Succeeding with this system, such as Gasperini's Atalanta and uh, Juric in Torino now, they have really been able to do so by utilizing really good midfielders such as Freuler, um, Deron, Coop Miners, and in Torino we have uh, Lukic and um, Samuel Ricci, who I believe is going to be a, a top-class Serie A midfielder soon. And uh, the player who can help Verona accomplish this is Ivan Illich, of course. They cannot find any better midfielder on the market than him in January. And they are solely, they have been, I, I believe that when they played Spezia at home just before the break, they would have won that game if they had Illich on the pitch because they have some decent midfielders. They have uh, Veloso, another ex Genoa player who have been both playing for Gasperini and Juric. But then they mostly have like complement midfielders, uh, Tamese, Hongla and a couple of young guys who I don't think are really up to the task of carrying this team, but perhaps playing a second fiddle to a player like Illich. And it was interesting that Illich wasn't uh, in the squad against Spezia because they actually seem to have been resting Illich the last two games prior to the World Cup break so that he wouldn't be um, risked uh, at being uh, injured again uh, before the World Cup. So obviously they were prioritizing prioritizing uh, him making it to the World Cup. And he actually played, I think, 60 minutes in a friendly for Serbia prior to the World Cup. So he was obviously kind of fit 
or well enough to do so, even if he wasn't in match fitness. But then at the World Cup, I only think he played like 30 minutes in the first game against Brazil, and then he was on the bench for the rest of the time. So it was a bit of a gamble for Verona, who I believe wanted uh, the World Cup to be like a place where Illich could show off and perhaps they could get more money for him in January or in the summer. <clears throat> but now I believe that they really need him because if he doesn't hit the ground running, there is no way this team makes it back to outside of relegation. Illich is all for this team. He has sort of the the youth and the... And the, both youth and the quality and also sort of the conditioning to actually perform for this team. So if he doesn't hit the ground running, it's going to be really tough for them. So therefore, I am declaring all games for Verona in January and February as like Illich watch. What he does on the pitch and how he performs for this team is going to be absolutely crucial and uh, in totally decisive for how this, this uh, campaign turns out for them. And... The thing is, and the problem is, that if he doesn't perform good and Verona just gets relegated to Serie B, they will probably just sell him in the summer. And then I actually expect them to kind of become like a feeder club to Lazio, because they already are to some degree, since they have sold so many of their good young players to Lazio lately. And also we know that Lazio used to have Salernitana in the Serie B, where they um, loaned out like fringe players for the squad and hope them for them to become better. So perhaps Lutito can find a similar situation with Verona in Serie B if they don't make it. But I'm really hoping that they are. Not because I'm really a big fan of the club, but I think that it would be it would be uh, good to see. I would really like for Bocchetti to perhaps build a, a new version of this Verona side. Okay, so that was my take, guys. Have a good one and I'll talk to you soon. Matthias, thank you very much. Firstly, happy holidays to you as well, brother. Happy holidays to all our listeners because I feel like it's something yes, we really we ha- haven't addressed, man. We haven't even mentioned that it's Christmas. As you can tell, we love Christmas, so yeah. we really acknowledge it in our day-to-day when the it's birth, Christmas. The birth of our Lord and Saviour is exactly. a day Saviour. Exactly. I always hate Christmas because I spend so much money in the beginning and I always get carried away. But then I always get really happy when I look at Rev and I see people that like sent me yeah, money for, yeah. for Christmas and friends that like bought me gifts and stuff. So and then I realized the beauty of Christmas at the end of Christmas when I'm like, all right, I think I think I just broke even yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now in, in assets. <laughs> Matthias, you make a few good points over here. Many good points, to be honest. We're going to highlight first and foremost, Ivan Illich. Um, he calls him Hellas Verona's best player. Mm-hmm. And he highlights the fact that they have got practically no points since his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, he also declares January and February to be Illich watch and I'm all in for that. I'm going to be watching Illich very closely. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have a close look at him. Obviously, he's, he's very important to the team. I think if you were talking about the team, then it's very concerning that, that they're that Illich reliable, that they rely that hard on Illich. Um, at the same time, it's flattering on, on Illich's part. I know you mentioned he didn't play too much for Serbia, but neither did Vlaovic. Like, mm-hmm. um, no, he's a he's a fantastic player, but the fact that Verona would rely on him kind of shows where they're at right now, I think. Um, he makes a good point. I mean, definitely, Illich is a good player and one of the best players at Verona, if not the best, but I'd argue that's Montepo right now. Mm. True. Um... However, as good as Illich is, Illich is, sorry, um, 
I just think it boils down to a really simple fact that their strikers suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, they don't, they're not just bad. They're just, they just, they're just bad. They're just okay. so, they, they, I think they would be borderline when they start the team in Serie B, dude. Mm. I don't, I don't know why I, the idea of Henri excites me. A I big mobile striker, I, good yeah. in the air. Like he, the idea of him excites, but, but I've never watched him and said, wow, this guy. Yeah. I've never had that moment for Henri. So just him, man. Lasagna is just no. Lasagna. Lasagna. Just no, man. K-Dog, Lasagna. Jurich, or whatever his name is. Ah, Jurich. Jurich. He's my favorite of the lot. Probably. He's He's fun. He's He's fun. But it's fun. Fun gets you in last. Fun fun gets you in last. Fun gets you relegated. He's he's so the kind (laughs) of... yeah, we're fun. He's so the kind of striker that's in a relegated side. Like, why would they go for someone like Okereke, man? Mm. Like why 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 let Cremonese? I don't him? I don't think they would have anticipated. I think that's why they didn't sign so much. I don't think they would have anticipated that they'd be in this bad a situation that this eleven in front of us because it's really not bad wouldn't be able to compete for mid table mm. or just lower mid table since they lost some of their key players. A few questionable signings. It's true. Let's uh, Henri is a striker from relegated side at the end of the day. Then you have Verdi. Who's literally been signed by bottom three sides yeah. for like seasons of season after season now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, doesn't back, look, he doesn't look bad. He doesn't no. look bad, but he's not the type of player that's gonna fucking win you he's multiple not games. Them. He might win you two games in the last stretch of the season. That's enough to save you. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But he's not gonna make the difference that often. He's really. a final hurrah signing, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. sad to say that. They're, they're... Like with Salernitana. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But check Karini Gunter Davidovic. That's oh. to me. That's where the main problem is, boys. Because clearly Verona can bring the game to anyone. Because they they they're quite fast. They go forward well. They utilize their wingers quite well yeah, as but well. The problem is the striker. Them. So they don't concede that much. They don't, they don't lose, score. They don't bro. lose five zeros. Man. Every, it, it seems like every attack that they concede meant there, there's a very good chance that they'll score. When you see. When someone is about to dribble past Cecherini, Gunter, or Davidovic, you say it's done. They're past them. There's Montepo no has been catching great, up. And then Montepo, Montepo's been, he's been a highlight for them, genuinely. Yeah. You have three big guys at the back. Okay, they're going to get turned. They're going to get, they're gonna get mm. um, outpaced. But you have a very good keeper and, and up front, man, you have no... When the ball is in, in, a, in an opportunity to be scored, you just have no confidence you're going to get mm. a goal, man. Mm. All three of those strikers have been just bad. And there's no, there's no way to describe it. Henri has been the best. He has the most goals from that from, mm. from all the three. But he's not been good, man. No. At all. No. Um, that's, think... why, that's, that's why. That's my opinion. That mm-hmm. It's simple and it, it just needs... This is the fact that if they have some money left... The striker. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think as well. Go, going back to Illich, you mentioned that clubs are going to be looking at Illich. Yes, Illich is going to want to leave. He's going to yeah. want to look I mean, at I'd everyone. Be, I'd be depressed playing Everyone on par with him, saying everyone on par with me has left for a big money move. Yeah, like, yeah. he's going to want to be the next big one. Money. That's why he's a big money. That was one of Matias's points as well. No, as in big money for them, yeah, yeah. The, the, ah, for for him, yeah, he'd yeah. receive ah, yes, a better yes, wage. Yes, like definitely. fair enough. Um, that was, yes, a good point, Matthias made that they often um, cash in on their best players, but they don't get a big payday, you know, mm. like Amrabat, Rahmani, Simeone, Zakani could have got them more than they actually did. Terrible negotiators. Uh, he negotiators, highlights. Negotiators, negotiators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he highlights. To be fair, please, Amrabat left two seasons ago. But he was already He was already good, good, but he wasn't 
incredible I as he is right now. I think man. that with Verona, he was better than he was in half his time with Fiorentina. It was good. Towards the end now good. with Fiorentina, he's really picked up. But I think at Hellas Verona, we saw a fucking fantastic version of Amrabat. We did, we did, but he was still up and coming. Mm. Yeah, know? as a name, yes, he was new. He was a new. So name. like, there wasn't that much hype and knowledge mm. about him. He was very mm. good at Verona, um, but I, I don't know whether he got sold too low. I think Fiorentina yeah. has found a really smart buy where they could spend. That's fair. On a on a low risk player. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, a player who's gonna who's gonna obviously give you a shift because of the nature of his game. He's yeah, an exactly. industrious player. And, you he, know? and he, he obviously he has was skill. like. Um, uh, What's that guy that um, top, for Fiorentina, the shorty? Uh, Torreira. Torreira. Ah, he, was Torreira. Like, he was like his replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. A more physical Torreira. Yes. Exactly. With, the, with, this, with a similar ability to play the ball around. Because yes. his ball playing ability is often undermined. Very, un- no, no, that, that was the, mm-hmm. the main kind of shock factor for me when I saw him late days at Verona after you pointed him out. Like, mm-hmm. His passing is very, very, very sharp and clean, man. And and the thing is, he transitions play really nicely from left to right and mm-hmm. right to left. He always spots the space and he gets the good runs. He's uh, and his forward mm-hmm. passing as well. Mama Mia doesn't just play the ball laterally; he plays the ball forward, direct to the strikers, to the wingers. It's naughty, man. He also highlights Juric's legacy. Of course, we are no strangers to that. Um, Juric is a fantastic coach who tends to do well without the appropriate facilities. Um, he mentions the fun fact that Bocchetti has played with and for Juric. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. That is interesting, mm-hmm. yes. Um, and the fact that Hellas Run have essentially become a feeder club and they had no right to do so, to be honest with you. Um, mm. It's not like they're getting these big money moves and it's not like they were desperate to sell. They were doing very well. Exactly. No, they, and lack of investment. I think had they, obviously this is a dream scenario, had they stayed under Juric or under Tudor for that matter as well, with the same squad that they had for two, three seasons, we could have seen them push with that team. Yes. Because it's not just like, Allah, on paper they had a really good team. They all played well. They were a dangerous, dangerous team. They were up there. Yeah. Seventh, eighth. They were there, man. And, and we, we could have seen that, but uh, they kept... Cashing in, and I wouldn't even call it cashing in, because getting 20 million for the likes of like Caprari and Zakani. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think Zakani went for 25, but something yeah, like that. Come yeah. on, 25. job right now. I, th- I think the main reason Bocchetti was hired was because, first of all, he's a familiar face in the dressing room. And right now, what Hellas Verona are going to want to do is they're going to want to create that sense of unity. They're, they're, they're so disjointed compared to how they've been for the past three seasons, man. Mm. This is the most dis- they their their main strength was their camaraderie, the fact that they were a unit. You exactly. know, they all played for each yeah. other. You don't see that anymore. So I think Bocchetti's job now would be literally to to get the boys going. You know, yeah. to, to rally the boys up for a push out of the relegation pool. Mm. I really want to go on about Verona. There are a lot of talking points we have to discuss, so on and so forth. But I think we should move to Torino a little bit, give them some attention as well. Um, so firstly, before we get into Torino too much, what is Torino's real strong point this year? Because we're seeing them in ninth place. Ooh. They've been good, but what's their real strong point, man? I think their ability to control the tempo of a game. 
and and big high stake games yes. as well against big teams they yes. managed to do that they did it against Juve for a while until they ended up it's interesting it. that you mentioned Mint that Verona have a terrible attack because Torino don't even have a fucking striker apart but from that's Sanabria well, 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 so it's two teams without a fucking nine like I mean, Miranchuk is kind of a false nine. Sure, but what I'm talking about is like that, that prolific goal scorer. They don't have a prolific goal scorer. Well, again, I'm gonna. Miranchuk was injured for quite a while. And then when he started the big NFC, he had grabbed a goal and he was looking nippy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Sanabria was never that kind of player. Mm-hmm. No. So I think Miranchuk was basically the replacement for Balotti, yeah. but he got injured and that basically fucked him from the start of the season. Mm. So I don't know. But Pelegri it's not always that, the, man. The... I don't think Pelegri. I think Pelegri was a backup. I think. Manager, I man. think you need that's a point. That's what he's been. He's I think you great. need like case in point is a striker that yes. plays a striker. Yes, as, a, as, uh, yes, just yes, a yes. staple in the team. Even if he doesn't grab too many goals, the importance of having someone up there that knows what he is doing Caputo. is is to Empoli, by the way. I know. Yes, yes, yes. yes. He's probably it's, trying it's, to. It's most likely happening. Yeah. Oh my god, Empoli do not need another old striker. But but they're selling. They're gonna sell a couple. I think yeah. Empoli. Okay, interesting. We'll get into that. Pretty sure, um, sure Lamers is leaving. Probably. It's a shame. And, yeah. Yeah. They all have one goal. Those three. Yeah. But yeah, my point is, you just need someone that's capable of being in the right position consistently, laying the ball down. He needs to lay the ball down. Attack when he needs to attack, drop back when he needs to drop back. Just an experienced striker in the team that knows what he's doing. And that way, everyone around him will play better, man. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, matchups. Ah, yes, the matchups of this. Mm-hmm. I put Miranchuk against Miguel Veloso, and I think Miranchuk will get the, the best mm. of, oh, yes, of, of Miguel Veloso. He's going to be responsible for marking him, and I think that Miranchuk is going to give him a hard time. It's going to be fun to watch that. Yeah, I think Miguel Veloso is no stranger to a red card as well, so I think maybe mm. that's, a, that's a route that is possible for all your betting men and women. Mm. Um, I have... Lukic versus Tamez, but Ooh. I think it's more of a, an entire midfield thing because when you think about it, there's Tamez and Veloso up against Ricci and Lukic. Ooh. So that that's I, I think overall the midfield is going to be a very interesting place to keep your eye out on. I agree with that one. I think that's going to be fun to watch for sure. And. Uh... And uh, <laughs> sorry, it's okay. I was I was way too far from the fucking <laughs> microphone. And Jake was like, I tried to be subtle, trying to subtly tell me to wake the fuck up and get back to the Mintoff responded with deep throating the microphone. Like, I got I got I got super close. <laughs> uh, I have Mr. Milinkovic Savage against Montepo. Oof, that's a good one. Man, Montepo's loves been so good because as well. I, I I rate these two guys as probably top the D top keepers from lower teams this mm. season. They've been they've been catalysts at times for saving games or winning mm. games, and uh, I think I think I think they're going to be instrumental in this game. As well. Yeah, that, that that's that's really what I have to say about that. It's interesting. The approach you took was going more 
um, direct comparisons yes. between I, I, players I, I, in the I same position. And I wrote this, you, you guys took a whole different route. And I was yeah, not seeing like, with, with their minor battles, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I don't know like, why when he told me like to do matchups, mm. I felt like it should be... But it's interesting. You look, you, you look at Very. two teams and you go, okay, player player A against player B. Because you know? ah. at the end of the day, you mentioned, for example, Berardi. In, in the Sassuolo game, you said Berardi against... And I think... I, I said Peramonte against Gabirini. Exactly. Peramonte against Gabirini. Exactly. And that's interesting because both those guys are... the. the Responsible for scoring mm-hmm. goals, you know. So, so Serie A fucking spotlight. That's what we give you. Different opinions, different viewpoints. <laughs> Some who Not are. two very agreeable men who happen <laughs> to be blood brothers. <laughs> We're a nightmare. The next game, guys, is Spezia Atalanta. Now, this, in my opinion, is only going one way but let's get into both teams a little bit so starting off with Spezia so they're on three wins four draws and eight losses they sit in 17th place so double dabbling with the relegation zone to me it's almost like they struggled to adapt to Gotti's style um, especially after they had managers like Italiano and Motta before that very much have their Spezia always had identity when they had those managers with Italiano. They played beautiful football and they were workhorses. And on their motto, all right, they weren't the strongest, but they were very, very capable of getting results. They made it a dogfight when they had to. And they played some good football as well, considering the players that they have. But they've really been struggling this season. Eight losses again in 15 matches isn't ideal and four draws. Their previous three is a 2-1 uh, defeat to Milan at the San Siro, so not too bad. They held Udinese at home and they beat Verona away. So they're currently their form is pretty decent. But as we said, does that really matter? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think so far of Spezia? Uh, um, they're a bit of a weird one yeah. <laughs> because they always feel like they have the worst team in the league. Mm. But they're not. They're not in the last place. Uh-huh. They're um, they're like flirting. Class- they're flirting with that uh-huh. area. It's been it's classic Spets. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been the Spets that he thinks is going to get relegated, but they're kind of proving you wrong at the same time. Mm. Um, with Motta last season, they got a few points, kind of like a quarter a way through the season. They in got a, a few points in a row. That was enough for them to survive. And that's when I was shitting on them the hardest. Like, uh-huh. Yes. You've so, yeah. just been wanting them relegated since yeah. they beat Milan 2 0 on Valentine's Day. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two years ago, you've hated them. I remember I'm on a date with Key at our hotel and I have the game on my phone. We concede one. And after we concede one, I'm like, I'm, I'm totally sure on what's going to happen right now. So I turned it off. And I put it down. The only time I flunked yeah. halfway through, like... Look, Spezia, exactly, are a frustrating team because they give my favorite team a hassle. And then when they play the direct rivals of my favorite mm. team, they bend over and they concede three. Like, <laughs> Dog they're wank. fucking Dog annoying. Like. is the word. Um, but when it comes to them as a team, I, I must say I am impressed by their unity. Mm-hmm. They managed with with a transfer ban. By the way, people forget that Spezia had a transfer ban for two, for the what? two of their seasons. And uh-huh. say yeah, they they, they, they couldn't they couldn't, sign, they couldn't sign any players. They got a ban for recruiting minors from Africa. Quite quite <laughs> frankly, yes, from Nigeria. Uh, it was a four that, window ban, and they served the full. That full headline country. is horrific for yeah. them. <laughs> by yeah. the way, it's not the most ideal. Spezia hire minors from Africa. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, they've Spezia. managed to hold their own and they've managed to stay up against pretty much all odds. Um, will they do it again this season? I'm not too sure. Mm. But I do think they will lose against Atalanta. Yeah, I think. I mean, I definitely think so. 
But they're capable of pulling a draw out of their they are, they, they, are, they are the ones that are capable out of those bottom teams. They're the ones yeah. that are capable of doing something like that. We've seen them do it before. But before we segue to Atalanta, I just remember that I haven't read out the friendlies results yet. So they actually had a good run. They beat Servette 3-0 at home. I have no idea who Servette are. They then lost 3-1 at home against Sparta Rotterdam. And then they beat Groningen 2-0 at home. So mixed results over there for Spezia. Um, moving on to Atalanta. Atalanta are in sixth. They have eight wins, three draws and four losses. And most of them came recently. They entered the season with this new approach mm. where they were very, very defensive. Um, they played calmly and they kept well back rather than being that team that just pressed to oblivion consistently. It worked very well for them. We saw that especially come into play in their 1-1 draw against Milan early on. We couldn't even tell that they were Atalanta. Um, that really worked for them. But recently, like their Serie A previous three, they lost to Napoli 2-1 at home, which is fine, fair enough. But then they lost against Lecce away 2-1. And then they lost against Inter 3-2 at home. And it was really close. So the break came at a good time. The break came at a good time for them. They had tough fixtures, even Lecce. I mean, all right, they're Lecce, but they mm. bring it. They always bring it. It's a dangerous game. Thoughts on Atalanta so far, guys? More good than bad? Yes. More good than Absolutely. bad. Absolutely. Based yeah. on the team that they have, which really? is basically the fact that they've sold half a team, mm. got rid of a lot of players. But even the players they've brought in have done very well. They're very good at recruitment. Um, yeah, Lookman, yeah. for example. Yeah, no, uh, that's signing of that's signing of the year, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it, up there. It is. No, no. Tell me, mm. tell me, better signing. No, you're, you're probably well, mm. Kvara. Haha, <laughs> got scary. you. That's a good one. Got you. Yeah. Got you. But I mean, Lookman, Lookman's <laughs> probably Lookman's top three. I don't know, man. Yeah, Kvara, Lookman. It's not like Kvara is like. Yes, he's way mind. better in my opinion. In my opinion, he's but way better. Out, Output-wise, they're probably not even far off. I think no, I think Vara has better output, man. I really do I think, think so. I don't think by much. Check, man. it's interesting. It's interesting. I think I think Vara is way more like naturally gifted yeah, in that sense. He's, he's course, mad. But we're talking about signings now. We're talking about people fair enough, who have contributed to the enough. team. Not a direct comparison, but rather what they bring to the team. Lukman's got seven goals. Gvaratskele has got six. No, but then Gvara has like the same number in assists. Assists, let's go. Gvaratskele has five assists. So six and five, eleven. Yeah. St. Martin's education, guys. Here we it's are. It's insane. Lukman's on one assist. Okay, so uh -huh. Gvara a bit more output. It's yes, 11, yeah. 11 to 8. But a top three signing nonetheless, bro. I agree. He is yes. a top three signing yes. nonetheless. Nice. Um, interestingly enough, in their friendlies, they drew 2-2 against Frankfurt at home. And then they went on a streak away from home, winning 3-0. They beat Nice 3-0. They beat Betis 0-0. Guys, going away to Betis and winning 3-0 is not easy, not even if it's a friendly. Betis are Betis. very, very good. And it's a tough stadium to play in, man. The supporters are wild. They pass you to death. Literally. Direct matchups. What do you guys have for this? It's Spezia against Atalanta. I have the midfield battle of Coop Miners and Agudelo. Ooh. I think the the two players were very fun to watch. I think Coop Miners is more like, you know, um, he's better educated tactically when it comes to, mm. you know, the game. Like he has a better understanding of the game than Agudelo. But then Agudelo has this like raw, this rawness about him and this kind of aggression that I feel mm. like might overwhelm Coop Miners on his day. Like, mm. But we'll see. I'm interested to see how that will play out in the midfield. 
Agreed. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a nice one to look out for. I rather have. To be honest, it's not a direct. It's not a direct one because I have Pasalic against Spezia. So, hear me out. Ever heard in my entire life? Hear me out. Hear me out. I'm gonna explain one why. One player against the whole team. <laughs> <laughs> one player against a jillion other players. <laughs> no, no. Hear me out. Hear me out. We know how Pasalic is. He's a guy that's always in a pocket of space. He almost plays the way Papo used to play in the sense that mm. he follows the referee around. Pasalic is very intelligent in his positioning. And Spezia are going to settle quite low down to try to get one point. So they're going to be quite conservative with the low block, so on and so forth. So it's more Pasalic against the midfield and the defense and just where he's going to slot in over there and how creative they're going to allow him to be. Because that's a big part of their play. Yeah. Mm. Keep your eyes out, guys. Um, whereas I have Boston against Mane. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good one. Um, because the, the way I've worded it is basically an overperforming player on an underperforming team mm-hmm. versus an underperforming player on an overperforming team. That's, uh, that's a good way of putting it. Peter um, Jury, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I feel like Bastonia has been phenomenal this season. Mm. He's almost reached his um, record of goals. Mm. He's the most scored mm. three in the season. He's got two already, um, and he just looks he just looks really motivated this season. He's so much so that he's he's been called up to the national team, uh, rightly mm. so. And he's uh-huh. he's been he, he's been pretty decent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 on, on the other hand, is this basically had a good first season at Atlanta. Like he looked dangerous. He looked like uh, a real threat. And this season, with a lack of confidence, he's not the same player. And it's like Hatta Bauer has has come back again, like mm-hmm. randomly, and 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 he seems to be more of a threat down down one of the flanks mm-hmm. compared to Male. Mm-hmm. And Male used to be that guy last season. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting for both guys on the on that mm-hmm. on, in that matchup in that in, 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 and in that match to see who's gonna perform. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's a, a, I, I, I keep on recognizing with Atalanta how before they were really known for their wingbacks, man. How they always had super, super wingbacks back when they had Gossens, um, back when they had Zappa Costa, for example. Everyone used to know them for their, for their left wingback and their right wingback, and they've downgraded significantly over there. Male just hasn't played his part. Obviously, Gossens had his injury and he went to winter. Soppy, you know what you're getting with Soppy. Soppy has a high ceiling, he's been good. Um, To me, he's more attacking than he is defensive. So I think if he could brush up in that region, it'll help, especially when, you know, Atalanta aren't an incredibly fast team on paper. So if they lose that duel, if someone gets in behind them, it could be quite dangerous. So it would help Mm. if Soppy can brush up in that department. Mm. Shall we... Move on to Roma, Bologna. Have you? Yes. Yeah, you've given us yours, right? You said uh, exactly. Mele against yes. uh, mm-hmm. uh, this Bastogne. red, red organic wine from South Africa, ladies it's, and it's gentlemen. Really good. Huh? This is phenomenal. Really nice. Phenomenal. The following game is Roma, Bologna. This one's nice, man. So Roma and seventh, Bologna and eleventh. Roma have eight wins, three draws, four losses. Bologna have five wins, four draws, six losses. So Roma have recently sucked in their last three games. 
So they lost at home to Lazio. And remember, Lazio didn't have Sergei and they didn't have Immobile. And they lost to them at home, in inverted commas. Um, they drew 1-1 to Sassuolo away. And they drew 1-1 against Torino at home. Now, sure, those aren't the easiest games to play in a row. The way I've summed it up is Mourinho's style of play minus the finishing touch leaves a very frustrating experience. What do you think? I think that's spot on. I think um, the break should have been enough for Abraham to get mm. his mental focus back. Um, I think that's what he needed right now, a bit of detachment. You know, the game, the fixtures were coming in very aggressively, very, you know, two games a week. And suddenly this guy just finding himself, you know, just losing confidence game in and game out. Mm. But, you know, there's a break now and I think that um, it'll be good for both Abraham and Bellotti. At least one of them should should um, start firing, in my yeah. opinion. But yes, I do think that this game will go down to Mourinho against Motta. Mm. And I think that Mourinho obviously will, you know, I think he has the edge over Motta and I think he'll outcoach him, quite yeah, frankly. And I, 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 think, think so. I think Roma will go all the way this game. Yeah. Thoughts, Mint? I, uh, I don't really have anything else to add, but... You agree? Yeah, but mostly agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Bologna have... Ah, I didn't say Roma's friendly, so Roma were quite active, actually. Um, they drew nil-nil to Nagoya Grampus away from home. Oh, I love my They drew 3-3 at home to the Yokohama Marinos. They lost 3-0 at mama. home to Cadiz. To Cadiz, Cadiz. Um, they beat Kazapia Lisbon 1-0 and they beat... Save me, Lord. Valvik, 3-0. Valvik, Valvik, probably Valvik. But yeah, not... The, so, you know, obviously they had a bunch of players that were away at the World Cup, but uh, still not still not ideal. Bologna. So Bologna have beaten Kapfenberger 9-0 in pre-season, guys. Before I mentioned their previous three in Serie yeah, A, in pre-season, they won 9-0. Okay. That's, that's Crazy. pretty fucking mental. Alongside that, they beat Mallorca 2-1 away from home and they beat Verona 1-0 away from okay. home. So they've been very good in their friendlies. In Serie A, they're coming off a victory against Torino 2-1 at home. Then they lost against Inter 6-1 in a terrible display and a brilliant, a, rather a brilliant display by Inter. And then they beat Sassuolo 3-0, Bologna. I just think that Bologna have really fixed things around. Well, not fixed things around. They've basically... This has just improved, really, and they've mm. been they've been a good side. Mm. Okay, yes, they've had some shocking games like the Inter one, but overall, their team has probably overperformed um, mm. for the most part, and some part some particular players have really overachieved as well. So like, I feel like, like Medel moving to midfield was a big move, and Medel kind of found his identity again over there, and the team is just playing better now, man. Soriano hasn't scored, or or I don't know whether he's assisted, but he still looked important. He's been been instrumental in the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And the young revelation in Ferguson. He's been been, been very good as well. And and what's his name as well? Uh, Shouten. Shouten. Yeah, Shouten. Has been been good good as well. Has been good as well. Um, Mm. Of course, the the no-brainer, Arnautovic. Yeah, yeah, of course, definitely. So, what about uh, before we get into the matchups to look out for? How do you think this game will go? Because it's it's it is an interesting mm. matchup. Like Roma mm. are obvious favorites, but Bologna, they're on good form and they they've been good under Motta, man. 
Yes, they they have been been good under Motta, but I look at this game, you know, and I see an old an old dog against uh, a puppy. Quite frankly, <laughs> it's uh, the experienced Mourinho against Motta, who's a new manager with new ideas, who sometimes gets it terribly wrong, as we saw in the Inter game, for example. Um, I think Mourinho will outcoach him. I think that this will be the comeback of Tammy Abraham. I, I can't Ooh, help but feel like I'm not sure about that one. I can't help but feel like he can't end the season like this. I'm not sure. I about think he'll pick up, dude. It's tough to say because he's he's looked awful. He has, and, and and to to the point where you look back at his highlights of last season, and they're two completely yeah. different players. To me, it's shocking that this man is the same man that you know he was last yeah. season. So seeing him be back there. Would obviously be great, but is he capable of doing it, or does he need to kind of slowly start finding himself again? He needed again? the break, and he got it. Now we'll see what he can do yeah. with the time he had off, his mm-hmm. mental focus, his confidence. Let's see if he managed to work yeah. on these things. So you think you think Roma will will take? I it? think Roma will take it. Yes. I think Roma takes it as well. I think it'll be closer than probably you guys are thinking, but I think Roma get it done. Okay. It, it, it's a brilliant like it would be Roma win or draw kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of thing matchups I have Pellegrini against Medel I feel like Medel is going to be man marking him quite a bit um, and things can get interesting over there Medel's rough and Pellegrini he loves he loves a scrap I have Varnautovic against Mancini because I feel like there's going to be quite a bit of violence this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're looking at two maniacs going head to head against each other. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah. I. To be honest, I had uh, I had those two as well. Really? Mancini, but what could also be interesting as a a secondary point or, or just a secondary matchup would be just Varnautovic Tammy. Now there's been a break, like, oh, I, I, and I think Onatovic will be, um, will still be good. He'll still be scoring. Mm. Um, but now, like, this is a real time for Tammy to start picking up some goals and mm. uh, against clubs like this where you can't score, where they're, where they're known to leak. Um, mm. It's a good time to, 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 you know, get a goal or two in and, and, and carry the confidence. Yeah. Agreed. You guys comfortable to move to Lecce, Lazio? Let's do it. Nice. So Lecce are in 16th at the moment. They're on three wins, six draws and six losses. Um, They are a newly promoted side, however, and they have looked better than I thought they would. They seem like a team with quite a bit of flair, uh, especially on the wings. And they have quite their transitions in midfield are quite impressive as well. They can swap players from those two wingers pretty fast. In their previous three, they've held Udinese away from home, 1-1. Um, they beat Atalanta at home, 2-1. And they beat Sampdoria away, 2-0. So they're also kind of, you know, they were doing well before that, but that really gave them a boost now in, in 16th place. And there's quite a healthy gap between them and the bottom three. Friendlies, they only played one and they lost 2-0 against Udinese. But that to me is a smart friendly going mm-hmm. up against Udinese, mm-hmm. yes, local team. Um, thoughts on Lecce so far, guys? Hey, they they look good, man. They I look like good. I like how organized they are. I mm. like that they're they're a tight unit. They barely concede and they're capable of scoring goals. They have a few nice offensive outlets as well in Strefezza, um, Colombo, Colombo, Cisse, Di Francesco, Di Francesco, Banda. Yeah, Banda of course is a very technical Strefezza player. Strefezza has been so good, super, really good, man, really good, super. So but yeah, they're they're a nifty little team. Huh? I I wouldn't be surprised they are, they if they if they say that. They're no mm-hmm. joke. Like you can't uh-huh. just 
take it out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's Lazio, who are having a super fucking season. They're on nine wins, three draws, and three losses. Um, their previous three matches, they beat Roma in the derby, away from home again, and inverted commas, 1-0. They beat Monza 1-0 at home, and then they lost 3-0 away against Juventus. But a much, much stronger side than last season. Um, they had very efficient transfers, in my opinion. They had faith in the manager's system, and just that plus... The success they've had in their defense with the most clean sheets, I believe, in the league so far. And then plus just having SMS, Shiro, Zakani, and just the players mm-hmm. that they do, and in particular those three, they're very, very dangerous, man. They look so good this year, Lazio. They really do. I mean, they always start off well, and typically they, they dip. But this season gave them a break. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see if this break benefits them or if it does the same thing that the COVID break did to them and it destroys them and basically ends up costing them a league, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Exactly. Um, I think this game, I think Lazio get it done. I think, you know, we'll be seeing Milinkovic, Savic and the Mobile celebrating together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be tight, but I think Lazio will squeeze through. Mintov? I... Don't know if it's going to be that tight. I I, I think definitely lots to take it. Um, mm. I think the first half will be tight, but then I do see lots of slowly and surely like running away with the game. Mm. Mm. So you're anticipating that Lecce are going to come out quite like, like to get a result from the game. They're I think they'll try. And then Lazio will score as they always do, like in the 30th minute or 35th minute. Mm. And then at one goal, you know, be two or three then. Uh-huh. I think I think the amount of offensive outlets that Lazio have and, and the way that they're utilizing it, especially having Zakani and Philip Anderson on form with the obvious Sergei and Shira up front. And then how solid they've been defensively. I find it really hard to ever bet against Lazio at the moment. So I think they managed to get it done. I think, like you said, Lecce give a battle to anyone. So I don't think Lazio will run away with it. But would it be a comfortable victory? I think it will be. I think so. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think Lecce will still remain tight and and, and give them a game. Um, I think it will be like a one-goal margin type of game. Mm. Um, when it comes to matchups, I think that um, Immobile against Umtiti is going to be a fun one. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at that Lecce backline and they're all in for a fucking good matchup. These guys, Gallo, um, Pongracic and Basquerot are all in for, uh-huh. a, for a good game. Like, But I think Umtiti Immobile is going to be an interesting one because his Immobile is like first start since his injury. Yeah. And um, Umtiti is going to be, you know, he's he's the guy that they're depending on to, to kind of contain him. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, agreed. I think since probably Lazio take it in midfield and obviously there's Sergei and Immobile who to me are unstoppable. I'm looking more at the, the wingers because if the left back and right back of Lecce managed to stop the wing outlets of Lazio, then they have quite a good chance. I'm looking at Strefezza against Marusic and Zaccani mm. against Baschirotto. I think those are two really mm. nice ones, man. Baschirotto playing yeah. at right back again against after Zaccani. he was That's starting right. as a as a centre back out of position for so long. And we get to see him back at right back and his first his first assignment is Zaccani. So good luck, brother. Uh I have Colombo and Romagnoli. 
Ooh, <laughs> that's a juicy one, dude. That's a nice one. Because I feel like Colombo could really cause Romagnoli some problems, and Romagnoli has been quite good this he's season. Been he has. Good. No, he's, he's been, been very good. Been, he's yes. been good. So I feel like Colombo plays for the shirt, man. Romagnoli when yeah. he's at Lazio. Both both Milan players, you know, ex Milan players. Um, well, well, Colombo, Colombo is still Colombo. Colombo's is still Colombo has a very mature take when it comes to going out on loan. By the way, he said. He deems it necessary and he views it as a compliment from the club. It means that they they have faith in him and they're investing in him, sending him out for a new experience. It's a very mature take. Uh-huh. It is. For a youngster uh-huh. it is. He has he has probably my goal of the season so far this season. Oh, what a lovely goal it was, man. Fucking just cunted it in. Cunted it. That's the <laughs> fucking word. I don't yeah. think there's a better word to describe it. But please, Minty, you were saying? Um, to be honest... That's that that's that's there's not too much about that. Basically I just feel like um two X, two X Milan well, I keep saying X Milan. Um two Milan players, one X one still with them. And uh I feel like Colombo could really give Roman Romanoli some issues. Um his mm. strength and his his, his sudden change of pace could really cause Romagnoli some you know, some slips, some some misjudgments, a penalty, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mm-hmm. giving Romani- you too much space. Romagnoli has a habit of giving players too much space. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he keeps tracking back. Yeah. He lets them run at him, almost keeps mm-hmm. pivoting backwards. But uh, yeah, I think we're all in agreed about how the game is going to go, which is a Lazio victory. Um, I would be happy to see Lecce get something out of it, though. Mm. Next up, this is one of my favorite ones, Fiorentina against Monza, 10th against 14th. Each team is on five victories. Fiorentina have four draws and six losses. Monza have one draw and nine losses. Obviously, they had a very, very slow start, Monza. Fiorentina also had a very slow start. It's only very recently that we saw them start to get some points that they deserved to take. So they beat Sampdoria 2-0 away from home. Uh, which which obviously not not surprising. Then they beat Salernitana at home to one, which isn't an easy game. And then they played Milan away from home. They were very, very fucking good against Milan. But Milan managed to get away with a 2-1 victory, with a, an own goal very late on. Fiorentina didn't deserve to, to lose that game. Um, what do you guys think of Fiorentina so far this season? I mean, they've had a lot to deal with, you know. Blahovic going and I think that just changed the team man. I mean mm-hmm. uh, it's because he left and then he was left giving the team quite a big lump sum of cash uh, and some parts they spent it well some parts they gambled I think a bit too much mm. uh, where maybe they didn't need to with the money that they had they could have mm. gone for a certainty um, you know so it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to say whether Fiorentina are doing bad. They should probably be doing better. No, I, th- I think especially but, in comparison to last season. But like you're saying, you lose Vlaovic. It's you lose. No you lose such beat. a player. You know. I mean, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to even if to even change the team. Imagine these players like Biragi and um, and Bonaventura and mm. and so on and Saponara. They used to fucking giving the ball to Vlahovic. Yeah. And now they're giving the ball to Jovic, to mm. to, to um, Cabral. It's like, you know, there's a, there's a gap. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but also, I, I see them struggling creatively as well. And I think that's mm. the very reason they signed Barak 
And I think the reason they signed Bakke is because they literally, they have all the wingers in the world that are capable of getting the ball to the striker, but then they have no creative outlet in midfield, I feel. And that's the reason they went for Barak. He's doing very well now. So they have no creative mm-hmm. outlet as in Amrabat sits very, very deep for Fiorentina. So he's not capable of getting those forward passes and that final touch, I think. In my opinion, Fiorentina are, are the type of team that like, their, their philosophy, their whole tactical approach is overly complex at times. Exactly. You see them playing the ball way too much, taking too many touches, playing too many passes before actually attacking the space or playing that final ball, man. They, mm. they hesitate so much and I'm sure it's all a tactical idea. Italiano, you know, is a fucking good manager, but I do feel like he's, he overcomplicates that times with these guys. Just give them more freedom, let them be more direct. I, I think it'll, it'll, they'll benefit more out of it. And, and all the rotation as well yeah. in the team, man. Like I know he has a lot of players to keep happy, especially in the wing department, but you need to have your two staple starters in those areas. You need to have a fixed starting mm-hmm. 11, I feel, so people can compete with the starters. Exactly. The starters know their place. Like, is it Sotil or Kwame? Or is it Saponara? Is it a corner? Or is Sotil going to be on the right, for example? Yeah. There's, no, there's no structure, I feel, over there. And people say that Fiorentina don't have the depth to, comp- to compete in three competitions, right? Because mm. of the Conference League, mm. of course. Are they? Um, I think they do. In certain positions, they, they don't. I think defense. in defense, exactly, defense. they don't, maybe. But I think it's more of a mental strength kind of problem. I don't think they're used to this many games like uh, uh, just no. as simple as that you know uh-huh. and and i feel like it it's cost them in the league i feel like without the conference league they would be way better in the league. Mm. do they do they say yes if a premier league team comes knocking and says i have 50 million for amrabat do they listen they say yes these clubs sell bro same mistake though they lost torreira which was the heartbeat of their Is team mistake, now they found though? now they found a new heartbeat i mean torreira left on a free so that was definitely a mistake when he returned yeah. to his club and they didn't sign him um, I'm Amrabat, an amazing he, player, right? But but bro, this this guy is 26. Oh, they're gonna buy with 50 million another winger, man. <laughs> they, they they need but, Amrabat, like this is the best choice. Sure, bro, but but this guy has just had a massive tournament, and his he's 26 years old. His price has inflated, like you know what I mean. Like it's this exploded. is this is mm-hmm. the time to sell him, like when he's when he's so hyped. I would love to see him stay at Fiorentina and I would love to see him stay in the league because he's so much fun to watch and he's such a talent. But I can't help but feel like cashing in is a smart thing to do. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, it is It is like you're saying the right time to do it. Um, but I feel like if they do lose him, they have to settle for bottom 10 this season. Like, because there's, there's no way that... Like, he's been their clear best outlet this year. He's been their best player by a landslide. He's the only reason that they're doing something now. Hmm. So they, they lose him. I think I think at the moment I would go as far as saying he's worth uh, to the team more than 50 million would be worth to the team. Because with that money, you're going to need to sign a direct replacement for him anyway. Who's better than Amrabat in that position? That'll go to Fiorentina. I don't think there's someone. I mean, there are few better than Amrabat at the moment. No. Probably there aren't, right? Attainable players at least. Mm. But you know you could they, they could replace him they could find a young alternative loan out someone maybe they get not the same, man. it's not the same of course but they could strengthen other areas you know mm-hmm. um, basically it's wise to sell because in his career he might never be worth this much again probably not exactly yeah. that's true um, 
Fiorentina's friendlies before we move on to Monza. So they were very active. They beat Arezzo away from home four goals to one. They they beat a team called Always Ready 9-0. They weren't ready. <laughs> I don't think they were, bro. <laughs> Always ready, except for that one time against Fiorentina. They beat Rapid Bucaresti 3-0 away from home. They beat SC Bastia away from home 2-1. They held Monaco at home 1-1 and they beat FC Lugano at home 6-1. So they did very well in their friendlies over there. Um, Monza, a very, very fun team to watch. In their previous three, they beat Verona 2-0. Then they lost 1-0 to Monza, sorry, to Lazio. And then they beat Salernitana 3-0. They're by far the strongest newly promoted team, especially after, obviously, the transfer market they had. They're throwing cash everywhere. Um, But apart from that, they showed faith in their assistant coach who took the helm now. So it it, it wasn't just pure luck. They've really managed to make this team gel. They're ruthless. They're offensive. They utilize their weapons. Obviously, once you start beating Monza and then you can run away with it, I feel. But until you get to there... They're going to give you a fucking battle, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely ones have been the top team to get promoted and they made some great signings. So I think overall, it's good to see them in that spot because mm-hmm. you know, you've actually invested money in players and, and stuff and it's paying uh, it's paying dividends. Yeah. Monza are a sad example of how money can actually buy you success. Mm-hmm. Um it's still very entertaining to see Berlusconi and Galliani take over. Um, and they have built a fun little team over here that is uh, very fun to watch. Um, personally, for me, Fiorentina Monza mm. ends in a draw. Okay, interesting, interesting. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Very interesting. I see Monza getting something out of this, man. Um, I, I think I'm going to agree with you, man. I think a 1 1 is on the cards over here. I think Monza. Like I said, they're they're on good form. And and again, you just look at their team with Rovella alongside Pessina in the middle with Carlos Augusto, Petania, Caprari. And then we know where Fiorentina have been struggling, especially like Milenkovic has been struggling a lot. So can he cope with Caprari and Petania? It's going to be interesting to see. Mintoff, what do you think? Um, I think Fiorentina get this one, to be honest with you. Um, But I, I, I think it would be a very close game. Mm. A one a one zero kind Ooh. of game. Okay. Monza also played in friendlies. They lost against FC Lugano one 0 away. They beat Lyon away from home to one. And today they played Torino at home. If someone can figure out the result of and that, Torino one four one. Oh yeah, Torino one four one. We've already been through that. Matchups. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pessina Amrabat, dude. Oi, 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 That's going to be fun. I'm going to be good. That's so Bro, just... I'm booking leave this day. You know how last week you suggested booking mm. leave to watch the games on the fourth? You're going to do, 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 do it. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend the whole day watching. Like, I'm going to try. Because I can't be. I can't be at work when they say. Uh, no, 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 no. That's the thing as I mentioned that at work last time. So now they're like, ah, if he takes leave, it's definitely to watch. So what? It's your fucking leave. That's my leave. It's true. Nice. Okay. So I'll look into that. So once you mentioned... Amrabat against Pessina, I thought of uh, Amrabat against Ravella, just like the two kind of holding midfielders of, of both sides. Um, but there's also Petania Milenkovic, since I know Milenkovic Ooh. has been a bit off. Petania is really looking to grow now, and he has Caprari alongside him, so I think he could do some damage. It's going to be interesting to see them up against each other. 
Most definitely, bro. Uh, Mintov's matchup. I have. I have. Sorry. It's all right. Where going, bro? Uh, oh yeah, I have Biragi against Berendelli. That's a good one. That's a good, that is um, a good one. You've got a tough guy against a really quick small guy. And a quick small guy who's not had the best season actually. No, no. not as you good would, as you I would, thought. You would expect good. more from Biragi yeah, this yeah. season. I don't know why. Um, he's not. An, he's never been like a star. But mm. but but he's he also had, been rotated a bit every now and then. Yeah, he has been rotated. Um, he he is. Like the Marco esque kind of, I he, guess. A bit, yes. Yeah, a bit, the yes. set piece prowess. Exactly. And then sometimes, but then like they put him on a pen and he missed it. I, yeah. <laughs> I remember. And I was like, I have him on Fanta. So I was obviously, <laughs> I'm always saying, give it to him, give it to him, and I'll nail it. And he actually nailed it. Um, it's interesting to see Mari back in the team. He's in the projected lineup. For Monza, for those of you that don't know, Mari was a victim of a mass stabbing in a shopping mall in Milan, I believe. And he saw a person pretty much die in front of him. He got shanked pretty hard himself and he was out for a couple of months. Wasn't he with his pram? He was pushing his pram and he was stabbed. He was was in a cost in the last game of Monza. Mm. But he's back and it's great to see him back, honestly. Um, Very likable man. And uh, a good player on loan from Arsenal for yeah. for those who don't know. So the next game is Cremonese Juventus. It's this game, and then two more for us. So Cremonese are still the only side this season that haven't yet registered a victory, and it's quite surprising considering some of the performances that they have mm. against the bigger teams. Um, so their previous three, and I believe one of the managers pointed that out. It's like I can't believe Cremonese are doing so bad. It was their own manager, um, Alvini. Ah, it was it was their own manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not exactly surprising. Eh? Um, in their previous three, they've managed to hold Salernitana and Milan. Salernitana away two two, and Milan at home nil nil. And then they lost to Empoli two nil. Um, Cremonese thoughts on them so far? Obviously, no victory is no good. No, mm, I mean, yeah, um, probably the no, definitely the most underwhelming of the teams that have come up. Mm. Yes, they are. Um, they're a team with decent pieces. Mm-hmm. Especially in the offensive department, they're quite good, you know. And even now, their midfield they've brought in Mete. Uh-huh. So they have Ascasibar. Yeah, Ascasibar uh, is good, man. Mete and Pickle in the middle, that's quite good. Valeria, I'm a big fan of him. Um, Sir Nicolas, okay. Okereke Desses up front, that's fine too. Yeah, we know um, what they're bringing. Yeah, the thing is, this isn't far from a good Sayabur team more than a exactly. Sayabur team, you know. Exactly. I mean? yeah. Agreed. Thoughts on Cremonese so far, Mint? They're just a say a bit team, man. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry to say it. They, they've made some additions, but they're just not good enough. Mm. Uh, and it's sad because they don't, they're, not a, they're not a spal where they play yeah. horrendous yeah. football. But it's just like, it's not enough, you know? I mean, there are too many players where you're like, yeah, this guy just shouldn't... If they, no, it would be like a guy. It would be like a couple of like Sir Nicola or or Lachos like, like really. Mm. That's another. Uh, there are some names I can't even pronounce. No, they they definitely Hendry. The Hen, not Hen, Hendry. Gendry. John Dre. John Dre. <laughs> John Dre. John Dre is when he's feeling himself. Otherwise, I, I, it's Gendry. I, I, 
I will. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of these players where you're yeah, like, this could easily be replaced. They know? have. They have a, a group of. I know you're gonna jump on me at the second I say. So I'm gonna say they, they have a group of good goalkeepers. They have Karnesecki, yeah. um, who, who's an Atalanta product. Yeah. I believe he's one of the. Skorupski's the best the keeper. Most promising. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not the best. It's not the best. Second best. Second best. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, that's too early to tell. And Karnesecki, uh, Karnesecki and Radu. And, yeah. and Radu, Radu, he's definitely the most mistake-prone goalkeeper, but otherwise, oh, yeah. other than his mistakes, he's fucking solid, yeah. man. Yeah. He's very solid. Cremonese and their friendlies, they played against Torino and they held them then away from home. They also played against Udinese and I don't know the results, so it's the same outcome. 3-1. 3-1 to Udinese. Yeah. 3-1 to Udinese. There you go. Juve. On the other hand, very interesting. They're in third, nine wins, four draws, two losses. It seemed like in the beginning it was a very slow start with all the draws they kind of racked up against the bottom tier teams. Everyone was calling for Allegri to go out, calling him a terrorist of football, one of the worst coaches they've seen, blah, blah, blah. They stood by him. They had their injuries. And even with the injuries, they're now looking to break into top two. They're, mm. they're seriously looking at that. At the same time, obviously, they have their scandal ongoing. Mm. We don't know whether this will result in a penalty this season or next season when it comes to... If, rather, it comes to um, a point deduction. But, yeah, this season, they're in a good position so far. Just interesting to see what's going to happen. Their previous three in Serie A, they beat Inter 2-0. They beat Verona away from home 1-0. Then they beat Lazio 3-0 at home. So that, mm. that just... Goes to show they carried that on their friendlies. They beat Arsenal 2 0, they beat Rijeka 1 0, that they played standard Liege. And I, I don't know how much they came, but yeah, thoughts on Juve so far. So you go on, go on. when the going gets tough, particularly off the pitch, mm. Juve get going, mm. Mm. they become united and they almost um, fight the off field battle on the pitch mm. and they get results. So they turn they turn they, that into good performance. I, I think that that's been the case for a while now. Um, the second there's a scandal with Juve, they they win, they start winning, you know. Um, and I think that will be the case over here, and I think they'll comfortably beat Cremonese. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I agree with that as well. I mean, I, I don't really have much to add. I mean, um, other than I just feel like the Allegri system is starting to finally kick in after yeah. towards the end of the the last month, which was December. I feel mm. like here you can you can see that Allegri isn't winning nice, but he's winning again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Mourinho with the victories, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have Chiesa back, which is nice, That's huge, huge yeah, for them. Huge. Now they they just need Vlaovic back. They need Pogba to finally get a game for them, mm. and they can be really. Really naughty. Apparently, they're looking at McAllister. Yeah, I've seen this. That would be a crazy. Apparently, he's, he's given the go ahead. Mm. And they're, they're, if, if they replace him to anyone, they, they want to get rid of McKenney. And Juve fans really don't like McKenney. I was scrolling through Twitter. I don't know, I don't last know why. Time. He's, not their, he's not their worst player by, by, by a long shot. They call him a clown because of his hair. Pretty mean. <laughs> Um, Matchup for me is Chiesa Valeri. I agree. I have with the you. same thing actually. Same thing. Oh, wow. It, 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 you have to pick Chiesa. Yeah. Mm. And Valeri is a good player, so it's going to be fun to watch to watch this matchup. I think Chiesa um, on his day destroys him, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how Chiesa returns, quite frankly. Yeah. Also, some nice little matchups, other ones that are, you know, just worth a mention is like Meite against Rabio. For example, it's quite yeah. a quite an interesting one in midfield. Just to give our listeners 
something else yeah. to have an opinion on. The next game is Udinese against Empoli. We all know the start that Udinese had to the season. They beat some of the biggest teams in the league and they showed that they're a real dangerous side after appointing Sotil. And this is after they lost De Paul, after they lost Molina, and they're really showing that they're still a force to be reckoned with after that. However, they've since fallen off. It seems like players often get frustrated with each other when the going gets tough and when shit isn't coming off. And that has turned into a spell of bad results. And in fact, their previous three, they drew 1-1 to Lecce, they drew away to Spezia 1-1, and then they lost to Napoli 3-2, and that was probably their best performance out of all of them. In their friendlies, they lost to West Ham 3-1 at home. They lost to Athletic Bilbao 1-0 at home. They beat Lecce 2-0, and today they played Cremonese, and we know that that was a 3-1 victory to Udinese. What are your thoughts on Udinese so far? Obviously, an incredibly strong start, but then mm, yes. seemed to plateau. I think that that um, they overachieved at the beginning, and I think it just made sense that they'd naturally um, regress. regress. Mm. Uh, however, Jake, when I had spoken to Jake a while ago about Udinese, he made this point that they often get flustered with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something I didn't particularly notice at the beginning. I think that might boil down to the fact that the manager is still quite new. Mm. I think maybe his man management skills aren't completely honed in mm. yet. So I feel like that, that, that that's causing that reaction. Mm. Um, again, I, I, I don't know the back, the back room, the back room uh -huh. story. So I, I, I don't know how, what exactly is going on. Um, but that's definitely playing a part in, 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 in their performances as well mm. as of late. It's not helping for sure. No, not at all. They have a few big characters there, a few big egos that often clash. Pereira, De Olefeu and Lovebridge, for example, and even Beto, you know. These mm -hmm. guys are all guys who really believe in their ability. Um, Udogji as well, for example, yeah. out wide. You know, th these guys really believe in themselves. And, and when one of them makes a mistake. The, the other one almost assumes that he... Deserves better. He deserves better, exactly. Yeah. That, that's, and you see it, you see it. They, they often start shouting at each other in the middle of the game. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case at the beginning of the season, but they, when they seemed more humble, they seemed more grounded, they were more of a unit. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see if the manager now, as uh, Mintov said, um, might have been able to restore that unity in yeah. the group. Yeah. The other team we're going to be covering, obviously, is Empoli. They're in 13th place facing Udinese, who are in 8th. So Empoli, and then they're another side that just struggled to get goals, unfortunately, for them. Um, they do play very attractive football. However, they're a very fun team to watch. Um, and recently, they've been starting to get some better results, which has a few wins for Empoli puts them in a position that for them is safe. And right now, they do fall under that that area they're in 13th and they're a good um, number of points away from the relegation zone their previous three they beat Sassuolo 1-0 they lost to Napoli 2-0 then they beat Cremonese 2-0 so they're winning the games that they should win and, and like Sassuolo is a very tough game in their friendlies they beat Sturmgras away from home 2-1 they drew to Wolves 1-1 at home they lost to Monaco at home 1-0 and then they beat Sassuolo again to one. So they had a very good spell as well in mm -hmm. their friendlies. What are your thoughts on Empoli so far? We know where their struggles are pretty much. 
Empoli are a good unit that plays attractive football, but they struggle to get goals. As you said, the strikers, Satriano and Lammers, haven't really mm. hit the ground running. And they have Destro, Destro as, as well. Destro scored one fantastic goal. I'm sorry, sorry. And mm. Now they've just signed Caputo and hopefully yeah. he, can, he can turn it around for them because all they need is a finish. Yeah. They each have one goal, all these exactly. strikers. Exactly. De- Destro, I'll, I'll give it to Destro, probably counts as two because it was that overhead <laughs> fucking kick from out of the air. Satriano has yeah. been their best striker. You think so? Movement-wise, like movement-wise, he's been. He brings movie. the most energy for sure, and they need energy. Yeah. So oh, we see, Caputo uh-huh. plays really well with two attacking midfielders off his shoulders, mm. like way better than he does with wingers in isolation. Like he's definitely the most um, experienced one as well. Eh? Yeah, Baldanzi and Bayrami and Caputo might link up really well together. I yeah. look forward to seeing it. Agreed. What are your matchups, guys? For me, it's Udogi and Makengo against Baldanzi. Ooh. I, I really rate Baldanzi and um, I'm interested to see if he can he can get the better of these two beasts to be yeah, honest. That's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. Um I have the keepers in this case I have Silvestri okay. against Vicario. Vicario has been, like I said, very honestly good, good over season. even even last season. Last season I was raving about him as well. He's been fantastic, one of the top goalkeepers in this league, and apparently a big move might be on the cards as well. Mm. Um Silvestri, on the other hand, it's like I felt like he was always slightly overrated, Silvestri, even when he was at Verona. I don't think he is. But recently he's been very he's been very good this season for Udinese. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be interesting to see who comes out on top. Fair enough. I mean I I, I wouldn't say that Silvestri's been playing better than he should be, but Yeah, I I think he's been at I think this he's level been, for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's been good for some time. Mm. And he's he's not young, so um but I have um Parisi versus Pereira. Ooh, oh, that's nice. That's a good one. I mean, it's just, it's a standard, you know, winger for right back. Um, mm. Both back tireless. Back. Yes, and um, Pereira can have a lot of um, tricks up his sleeve against a young Parisi. So mm. I, I like to see how that that pans out. Mm. Unless Parisi just fucking bolts past him, bro. <laughs> <Constantly>. <laughs> no, Parisi's got pace. He's now, good. Man. He's good, man. Parisi. Yeah. The next and final game, and the biggest game, guys, the best for last. It's Inter in fifth against Napoli. We all know who Napoli are at first. Inter are on 10 wins, no draws, and five losses. Um, quite a slow start to their season, but still, 10 victories out of 15 matches isn't detrimental. It's just shocking, considering that they were fighting for the league for two seasons in a row. Um, Napoli, on the other hand, 13 wins, two draws, and zero losses. We all know there's no reason to get into Napoli too much. Um, For Inter, you know, they seem to pick it up a bit in their previous three matches. They beat Sampdoria 3-0. They beat Atalanta 3-2 in a fucking very tight encounter with a goal at the end. But in between those two matches, they lost to Juve 2-0. Is that something bad for Inter? Is it something that, that, you know, is understandable considering where Juve stand and where Inter stand? They lost to the team that's currently third which is which is okay um the thing about even a, a league winning team is that you can't drop points to the minnow sides you yeah. have to pick up fucking points where you should and if you're going to lose a game it's one of these games you know yeah agreed mm. yeah i mean i don't have anything else to mm-hmm. add about that and inter in in general this season there's there's one or, or two really places where I really see them struggling. So first and foremost, overall, it seems like the camp isn't as united as it was. And I think that Simone Enzaghi is slowly losing the locker room. Um, 
I think I'm not sure I agree with that. I think there's a lot of we were mentioning that Udinese kind of complain to each other, so on and so forth. I think Inter have that quite a bit as well. They have a lot of egos, they have a lot of players that stand out, and we've seen them clash a little bit on the pitch as well. Other than that, like um their main weakness to me nowadays is getting the ball from not not even from midfield to attack. Because they, they get the ball there. Then it's up to their strikers. But getting the ball from defense to midfield at times. And that's probably because Brozovic was out for so long, man. Yeah, that doesn't help at all. And, you know, you, you mentioned that the players get frustrated with each other. But this is a team that has won the league together. Um, yeah. This is a team that can um, reassemble and cause some problems. And I, I do think that they'll be better than they were at the start of the season. I think so as well. Yeah. Mm. And I, I, I don't think that... Linzak is losing the losing the dressing room. I think that there are conflicts, but I think despite everything, despite like putting their money in all in one basket, which was which was Lukaku, um, they haven't done that badly. Yeah, Lukaku was their real hope to push mm. them forward, and he's mm. been out, man. Mm-hmm. He's been out yeah, for almost all of it. Interesting. True. Could could it be the case? Now that you mention it, that last season actually Inter overperformed a little bit because going into last season, they obviously had lost Lukaku. Who was, they, they lost Hakimi yeah. and they were going through financial turmoil and they still managed to have the season that they had last year. Did they overperform then or are they underperforming now? I think they're underperforming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think on paper this team should be doing better than they are. Cool. Okay. Napoli. <laughs> Wait, no. one, one second, one second, because Inter played a Maltese team and I was about to oh, forget yes. their friendly. Thankfully, I was in Africa, so I couldn't go because Inter won <laughs> 6-1 against Xira Against United. Xira United. Yes. Um, also, in Malta, they played against RB Salzburg um, <laughs> and they won 4-0. They drew 1-1 away to Betis. They beat Regina away from home 2-0. And today they played Sassuolo and we know how much they came. How much was it? 1-0. 1-0. To Inter. Yes. So that's Inter for you. Napoli, otherwise, guys, I mean, I barely wrote any notes on Napoli because no, at the moment it's. I have it's, no notes to be honest. Superlatives in every department for Napoli um, when it comes to their starters and their bench players. Yeah. Um, you look at the likes of Victor Oziman and Vratskele who are just tearing it up up front. They have Lozano and Politano who are putting in a shift basically week in, week out, just mm-hmm. altern- alternating between each other. Um, their midfield has been stacked. Zielinski has been very good. Um, he's really stepped up the season, Zielinski. He has. Um, Lobotka has filled in the shoes of uh, Fabian Ruiz. Zambo Anguissa has been revitalized and mm-hmm. has looked like an amazing midfielder. Um, very elegant. Ma- Mario Ruiz playing very well. Kim has been a revelation. Rahmani is solid. Di Lorenzo is solid. So Meret has been pretty good. There have been so many good players. On so that many team. good mm-hmm. players, bro. Honestly, mm-hmm. they they have been by far the best team in the league. Their previous three have been a 2-1 victory away to Atalanta, a 2-0 home victory against Empoli, and a 3-2 home win against Odinese. Now, in the beginning, when Napoli were somewhat running away with it, we were saying, ah, but they haven't played the teams Milan have. They've played more difficult opponents than Milan have. They've played pretty much everyone but Inter, who they're playing now. And have they played Juve? I don't think they've played Juve, but otherwise they've played... Pretty much everyone there is mm. to play, man. And they're in a certain position now. They're looking like Max Verstappen. They can run away with it, with not with ease, because we know that they have that whole Butler thing about them. And 
injuries are a very real thing. They're going to be competing. Post-Christmas, right? Exactly. And they're going to be competing, actually competing in the Champions League. And they're going to want to go far over there. So mm-hmm. stuff can still happen, but they're definitely the strongest side in the league by a landslide this season. Man. How do you think this game goes? Mm. For me, it's a draw. Really? Mm. I think that Napoli will go into this game not wanting to lose, so that Milan don't close the gap. And I think Inter will want to fucking win desperately. Um, and I think that will result in a draw. Perhaps mm. it's oversimplified logic, but um, I feel like that's the way it's going to go, a draw. Mm. Maybe 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two if we're lucky. I think Napoli win. Me too. I have a big feeling. 2-1. 2-1, 3-1 or 3-2 three, three, even. I think, I think Inter might even score first. Ooh. They'll want to come out hungry and so on and so forth. It'll be like the Atalanta game, I feel. And then Napoli over 90 minutes, bro. Napoli over 90 minutes is just... You get pressed, you get beaten, you get outpaced, you get outmuscled, you're exhausted. Yeah. 15 minutes into playing this team, being on Guevara's side. Guevara has been, I know you mentioned... Um, uh, Lookman. Lookman earlier. Guevara has definitely been the no most... Revelation. He, like, to lose Insigne, to get this guy for... 10 million. I was going to say peanuts, but uh, yeah. to get him for 10 million and he's having the performances that he's having, the layout comparisons aren't crazy. They aren't yeah. crazy out of question. This guy is unbelievable. He's surreal, man. He's unbelievable. It's a yeah. joke how good this guy is. Guaradona. For me, the, the matchup um, to look out for is Brozovic against Lobotka. I think whoever has the better game will be on the winning team. That's amazing. That, that's a, a beautiful, stylistic... It's like when uh, in the World Cup, I mentioned this already in the last episode, was Brozovic against Amrabat. I always like seeing these things where there's clearly one mastermind, like just orchestrating the play. They go up against each other. It's a beautiful sight. I have Ossiman Skriniar. Oh. Stylistically beautiful. And Skriniar has previously broken Ossiman's eye socket. So there's a bit of oh, bad blood. Oh, shit. That's a nice there. one. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's juicy. Yeah, Ozyman's gonna want revenge. <laughs> Skriniar's gonna be on him, bro. He's yeah, gonna be yeah, fucking yeah. on him. But he's Ozyman, you know. He's gonna be like, look what I did to your face, you motherfucking asshole. <laughs> Take your mask off. <laughs> Mine's quite similar to yours, but it's the opposite. It's Lukaku against Kim. Oof, oof, too fucking I mean, beasts. I mean, I mean, all I say is that Lukaku must be so frustrated with the season he's having. Mm. Uh, with Belgium, it sucked, and you could see in a video clip he yeah. smashes a fucking yeah. glass door hunk. or a glass window, whatever the fuck it was. Mm. Um, he might be, be he, he might be pumped up, ready to ready to get some uh, goals yeah. for mm. an Inter again. So I I wonder what Lukaku we're gonna see now. He's certainly gonna be frustrated. Yeah. Um, now Lautaro isn't in the projected starting eleven. Probably the classic World Cup syndrome. You play until the final, and you probably take the first match off. But well, there's Zeko alongside Lukaku. So quite a stationary duo up front. We know that Lukaku has stocked up, so he's not the, the quick pacey man we've seen mm-hmm. before. And Zeko is, is old now and he's a striker inside the box. He's a target man. So they're really going to need like Barella to get in behind. They're going to need Chalanoglu on the set pieces to be 10 on 10. They're going to need DeMarco and Dumfries to kind of get the ball in. If they manage yeah. to get the ball in, they can do something. But... With the high-pressure football that Napoli play and with how quick they are, I think they'll struggle with those two strikers. Yeah, I think it'll be all about the set pieces for Inter. They've got Di Marco and Chalanoglu who can whip them in. They've got Barella and Brozovic who are also capable. Um, And then they've got 
their defenders, Bastoni, Devry, and Skriniar, who all have, you know, a lot of aerial prowess about them. There's Lukaku and Zeko as target men up front. Dumfries has quite a mm. good size on him. You know, so I think I think that um, that will cause Napoli some problems. Yeah, very much good. Very much good. Question segment. Let's do it. So welcome back to our question segment. To drop us a question or a hot take, you can um, reach out to us at Serial Spotlight on Twitter or on Instagram. To start off, we're going to do this kind of rapid fire because it's um, half past two in the morning and I have work tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> and Jake went to liquid as well. And I went to liquid last night and I had yoga today and I've, I'm, I'm knackered. Like. Yeah. Um, the first question comes from Steve Colero, our boy. Hey, Steve. Okay. And he says, please discuss the Lautaro and Lukaku World Cup disaster classes. They were shocking. Um, how will this affect Inter going forward? Um, let's start off by discussing that. Um, personally, I think that Lautaro and Lukaku... Um, so performing at a World Cup is a do-or-die situation where you have, you have five games and you have to play well in these five games or it comes off as, as terrible, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're in their comfort zone. I think they, they have more time. They're aware that they have quite a few games left in the season, so they're playing without that added pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll be back to scoring. Yeah. I think the, the Lautaro, Lautaro Lukaku bromance uh, can be very good. Mm-hmm. And um, now that they've, they've had this time off, well, they, they, those two haven't, but they've both yeah. had kind of disappointing seasons. I think that uh, they might be the support that they need mm. for each other, you know. Mm. And I feel like you know both of them having off 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 World Cups could now help them to prove a point mm. at the end mm. of the season, and you know actually storm forward. It could be that you know they just they just demoralize and it, it just keeps things worse. But mm. I I feel like they'll 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 start linking up and getting goals mm. like like what was intended. They'll find their rhythm. Find their rhythm, their exactly, yes. I think we, we've seen Lautaro struggle before and, and come back from it. And I think he also has the confidence of actually winning the World Cup, scoring his penalty. Um, so I think there's that. I don't think he'll be too disappointed. He'll be overwhelmed with the success rather than be upset about how he performed. Mm. And I think he'll take that momentum, a champion's momentum, a world champion's momentum into the club. Um, Lukaku, on the other hand, just shambolic performances for Belgium. He was rushed back into the squad thinking he was going to be their saving grace, still a little bit injured. And he just had one of the most dreadful performances from a striker I've ever seen. I think <laughs> we could blame it a bit on on the injuries, but I would rather yes. blame it on his mm. fitness as well. I, I think I think he after his injury at Chelsea, he really hasn't fucking gotten back to full fitness ever since that man. Yeah, that's a good. He looks point. stocky and slow. He does. He does. He does. Um, Every goes thing, he just gets stocky and slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's stressful. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see I think a goal against Napoli for either of them will shoot yeah. their confidence sky high we'll see if they manage to get mm. that our next question comes from Andrew Santfornier our boy Santi hey Santi uh, sorry actually Steve had a part two to his question sorry Santi Go for it. Um, he said updated top four predictions his oh, are fuck. in this order Napoli, Juve, Milan and Inter Ooh. okay Napoli, Juve you know what Milan and Inter. I fully agree with all of that us, yeah. Okay, you think you think Juve will finish out of me? I think Napoli will win the league. As things stand, I think so. Yes. Fair enough. Um, okay, my updated top four. I still believe, man. 
You still believe? I still believe, Ostia. I, I don't know. The, the curse, the post-Christmas curse for Napoli is, is, is so much. Um, it's so consistent. Like, mm. um, granted, they look incredible. Um, but we'll see what happens to them if they, if they hit a bad spell of form. It seems like everyone is due a bad spell of form at some mm. point. Um, I think Milan, Napoli, Juventus. Oof, man. Yeah, don't do this to me. Don't, don't, get, don't get me believing, man. Don't get me believing. <laughs> what do you think? I'm going to say it's Napoli, Milan, um, Juve, Inter. I think okay. the only difference is that Inter will end up jumping Lazio, not because Lazio will be bad by any way, um, but I think Inter will pick it up again and, and do that. Okay. So, Andrew Santfournier, Santi, our boy, um, your best friend on the podcast, man. Uh, he is. He's my other Jubilani, man. <laughs> exactly, your other Jubilani. He asks, will players who played at the World Cup have better seasons than those who stayed at home? Oh, that's an that interesting a really one. nice question. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, particularly. Um, I think players who managed to stay at home maybe got to know their team a bit better, got to practice a few drills. Um, I think they're better off, to be honest with you. It, it, it strictly depends on how they did at the World Cup. If they were overplayed in the World Cup, I think like Amrabat will come back and be fantastic for Fiorentina, carry the momentum and all the high praise, he'll be super confident. I think, and then on the other hand, there are certain players that will feel the weight of not performing well in the World Cup, like like we mentioned Lukaku, for example, and players and then who are fatigued from it as well. Like Mm -hmm. when Giroud comes back to Milan, there are two ways it can go. Either he's exhausted, exhausted, which he never seems to be, God bless him. Um, or else the second option is that, you know, he just beat Henri's record and he's going to carry that momentum into the league. So mm-hmm. it depends on, on the player's situation. Mint? What do you think, Mint? I kind of agree with Jake in the sense that he's not really certain of that and that the players staying home will, um, will have better seasons. Um, I guess it also depends on how they how they fit in the World Cup. Um, oh yeah, so you agree with me as well? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I think, I mean, yes, I yes and no. I mean, it, it, it I think it's just gonna boil down to. It's hard, you know, why it's hard to describe with you because you have to go into the mentality of these players yeah, that win the right. World Cup. Some mm-hmm. of them, even if they had bad World Cups, they'll have the mental fortitude to come back home and say, "Exactly, I'm gonna fucking." Um, and maybe even they they click better. They click better with their home. team in Italy rather than yeah, with yeah, their yeah. partners back home. Also. Yeah. Certain players might have a move on their mind already, and they might be distracted. Like Amrabat might be thinking about fucking Liverpool right now. Yeah, who knows? Mm. Yeah. Especially so apparently, we'll apparently. According to goal, and I never really trust goal. Um, <laughs> Bellingham is off to Real apparently, oh, so wow. Liverpool have a slot available. Ooh. They might go for Sufyan. Cool. Um, our next question comes from Jamie on Twitter at jamieo underscore r. He asks if Napoli pursue Azedin Unahi. How do they manage the midfield with so many players? Demme and Dombele, Lobotka, Zambo, Angusa, Elmas, and Zielinski are all already present mm. in this lineup. Mm. Um, there are whispers of Demme and um, Zielinski leaving. Zielinski as well? Yeah. What? Where is he going to? Um, the Premier League, apparently. It's just, they're just rumors right now. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see. We'll see um, what yeah. happens. Again, Una, he's a very talented player. He's a good squad player yeah. just to have even stylistically you bring him on when you're looking for a certain mm. something. You yeah. know, so so he could be he doesn't need to slot into the first three, he doesn't need to be a replacement for Demme or, or in Dombel or so on and so forth. I think it's just good it's good to have his yeah. quality and a different kind of player in midfield. If they're fighting for the league, they need all the manpower they can get. Exactly. Um, if they're playing on three fronts, you know, they want to compete in the Champions League as well. Injuries have become so common in today's Exactly. Game. So, um, yeah, I think they'll all get a chance. Nice. Five subs as well. Yeah. Mintoff? Agreed? He agrees. Amazing. <laughs> he nodded, guys. I think Mintoff's getting tired. I'm absolutely <laughs> thanking this, this podcast. I know. No, you're, no, doing no, you're, well. not. you're doing very well. <laughs> Apart from showing up two hours late, you're doing brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> our next question comes from our boy Andy um, at footballandy9 on Twitter. He says, Hi guys, how much will the World Cup break mess with Napoli's momentum, if at all, in their title challenge? And I mm. think it might, quite frankly. The, the break mm, came so at a bad time for Napoli. They had good momentum going on, you know, five wins in a row, and then all of a sudden they have to stop. Mm. Um, so, if anything, it's going to impact them negatively, I think. Is it? I would say so. I would say so. I think they just come back and keep doing it. Like, I definitely see yeah, your point, yeah. but I, I yeah. genuinely... There's, there's nothing for them to... There's nothing for them... There's, not, there's no big reason for them to start digressing. But complacency might have been built around the camp, you know? When you stop for a, an entire month and a half and you're looking at the table and every time you see that you're eight points clear, or you, you might over- take that for granted and forget how hard you work to actually be there. Or you're overconfident yeah. and you have this bravado around you. That could it also seems be like the case. Napoli are always the perfect kind of confident man, where everything they mm. try just comes off for them. But aha, uh-huh, it's it's it, it'll be interesting. So I think Napoli are definitely a team that it probably Im- impacted the worst because a lot of teams seemed like they needed a bit of a break. Mm. Um, probably Napoli and Fiorentina are, are the only teams and Bologna that would have benefited from not having the break and just and continuing Juve, the league. And, and, yeah, and Juve, yeah, and Juve, of course. Um, but I think I think the, the quality that they have and the coach they have and the squad that they have, I think they'll just go back to winning. And then, well, I don't know, we'll see if there's a post-Christmas meltdown for them. The next question is a statement and it comes from our boy Meagles. <laughs> the next question is a statement. At finally Meagles, he pronounces it Meagles, but we refuse. Um, <laughs> and he says, if Napoli beat Inter, it's over. He's a Milan fan. Mm. He thinks that if Napoli beat Inter... Already? Be, I think 16 games in is too early. There are too it's many points. It's You can uh-huh. never say, man. Uh-huh. If, I if, agree if, with if you, if you say that, you just... Yeah. I'm sorry, Meagles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't agree with that. <laughs> His name is Ben, if you want to make it more personal. Ben Meagle, I'm sorry, I can't agree with that. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get be demoralizing. Huh? I, get, I get his point, because mm. especially if you've seen, uh, as a Milan fan especially, you see Napoli playing that well, and, and you're like, like I said before, they played most of the big teams, so you're like, maybe Inter? And remember, you lose one game, then your form suffers, your players suffer, so you're most likely to lose after a loss. You know what I mean? So perhaps a loss or dropping points against Inter could bring them to a, mm. to, a, to bring their form to a halt. Um, I don't think it's the end if if they beat Inter, though. I think my my sensitive side definitely wants to say that, mm-hmm. but I think over the course of the remaining what twenty games, man, there's like twenty mm-hmm. games left. Something like that. There's definitely room for Napoli to drop some more yeah. points, man. Yeah. Our next question comes from Mark Russo on Instagram, hey. mr.usso, our boy. 
He says, or he asks rather, how many years does Giroud have left in him? And I think injury-free, he's got three years scoring goals left. Oh, him. wow. Okay. I think he has three years. He's in 36. Him. Yes. Okay. I think the type of player he is, the, the fact that he's kind of evolved into this this poacher in the box that mm. you can just cross it to him and he's just so smart that uh, he get there before uh-huh. the defender. I think that he um, he could do three years if unless he suffers a terrible injury. Uh-huh. I say two, man. Two, two, uh-huh. two, two good Something years. Something like that. Mm. Two good years. Something like that. Like he could definitely be Milan's top scorer this year and the next. And I think after that, I think this year that rather than it, it wouldn't be because he's slowing down so much. But I think Milan will be very wary of his age. And they and want a replacement. Exactly. Find yeah. a replacement at the right Origi. time, not when he starts tanking. Divok, Shitiji. <laughs> Any more questions? That's it, brother. That's it. It's done. Oh, oh my, my God. God. The hole has been complete. And a very Dude. average time. Uh, two hours, 21 minutes. Sounds good, bang good, on for Serie A spotlight, no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much for your question, guys. Um, we got quite a few. Um, please DM us your questions for the next episode. Um, we look forward to talking to you once the season has started. Yeah. And thank you very much, Minta, for coming on. I uh, apologize for, for being late. For giving no us your time. It's okay, bro. <laughs> I um, hope you enjoy work tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best. Um, I might be alone in the office tomorrow. It's going to be fucking terrible. Okay. Don't forget, guys. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. If you can give us a rating, it's highly appreciated. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I swear we post really fun content and we engage with you guys. So feel free to send us voice notes as well with your hot takes, predictions, your takes on teams. We've been Seria Spotlight. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in 2023.